of two eyes, huh? Do you understand the game a bit? Yeah, have a look. I'm not saying anything to you in particular because I know you're not too accurate with your reporting. That, that's what okay, you're paid so you're for. Saying it. I should resign. So you're saying I should resign. I think that's you should, your opinion. Yeah. Is that right? That's my opinion. Fine. Are you going to resign then? No, of course I'm not going to resign. I simplify things next time. <laughs> oh, the A League is back, baby, and we had some great moments, and we had some terrible moments, and we had some no moments in the F3 derby. Nick Debano joins me. Joey Lynch joins me. I'm Nick Stoll. Guys, Debano, I'll start with you. Just just immediate first impressions on football is back. We've been doing this podcast for months now where we actually haven't had any games to talk about, and it's been going for two Man, hours. Does the NPL not exist to you, Nick Stoll? Uh, okay, blah, 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 NPL. <laughs> you know, there was Matildas, the Socceroos games. There was Friendlies. Okay, da, da, da. But this, ostensibly, we, 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 I, didn't, that's, I didn't pronounce that word correctly. Ostensibly. But- Essentially, this podcast podcast was created to come after, this is why we do it on a Sunday, after the A-League finishes for the round, although the round hasn't finished Mm. because of the F3 derby, but whatever. uh, We come on and we talk about it. It's the kind of big Sunday night show. Um, And, you know. Sunday afternoon. It's still daylight. I feel weird. Okay, well, man, all this correcting. Like the sun behind Be more supportive, all right? Look, yeah. Fred Durst, stop getting angry. All right, Debano. Man, I'm wearing a Nebraska Cornhuskers hat. Fred Durst wouldn't hang with Nebraska. But wouldn't I'm... Fred Durst? But Fred Durst has a red hat, puts it backwards. So it's Yeah, okay. a St. Louis Cardinals hat. Look, I can't believe comments... you guys aren't up to date on your 2000s and new metal. In the comments, I want to hear. You guys aren't rolling, like. rolling, rolling. It's just. <laughs> Fred Durst was uh, lame right. at the time. Never mind. Stoll, 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 to answer your question, I feel like we're, we're back exactly where we were a year ago when we started this show. And it was a Sunday and it was exactly the same weather. And it was like, what the hell just happened? We're back yeah. here again. It just feels like deja vu. There were some good moments. There was some really boring moments this weekend, to be brutally honest. Like some of the games, especially today, were, oh, you know, they you were a bit like of a the chore. Sometimes guy, Nick DeBarno. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Just channeling my inarino. Um, But yeah, like there were some fun moments. It's good to have the A-League back, but God, there were some moments that were a tough watch. So um, normal uh, programming has definitely resumed and uh, looking forward to getting into all uh, five of the games that were there. We haven't had... As you said, that sixth game was one of the games I was most looking forward to. And unfortunately, Gosford became a swimming pool. Um, Look, as always, your comments are very important. And as I'm hosting, I will be relying on them heavily for content. If they are spam bots, if they are relationship advice, if they are food suggestions, all will be welcomed on this uh, pod. Stephen Paletti says via YouTube, TNC in daylight. I'm shocked. Yes. So the plan is for this season that we will come, we'll try and come after the last a-League match when that finishes. So if it finishes at 7.30, we'll come at 7.30. finishes a bit earlier like the one did today, uh, we'll come a bit earlier. Um, Hell, if Wellington at 1 p.m., if that's the last kickoff of the round, if that's the 1 o'clock kickoff, we'll be on at 3. Who knows? Yeah, exactly, time, baby. You know? You know, and by the way, you know one of the reasons I wanted to move it earlier was because I want to be able to cook dinner later because all we've been talking about in the chat <laughs> is sauces and da-da-da. Joey, tell the people, what have you been cooking this week? Uh, yesterday, I made three kilos worth of pork and beef meatballs for myself and my partner. So that'll feed us for, you know, four or five days. And I've also got some turkey mints that I need to... Um, I was tossing up whether to do is put some lemon and sage in it or yep, cranberry with it. Oh, nah, I'm going to go cranberry. Nah, no, I'm going to go with the cranberry. 
I like Ooh. the cranberry. So cranberry, right. cranberry. Like me and Dubano are on the same flavor <laughs> palette, you know? Well, we both have um, Greek backgrounds, so I'm not surprised. Yeah. Uh, okay. Blake Hampton, 11. I love this comment already. Trudged through monsoonal rain to see 15 minutes of Max Burgess last night. No regrets. Here's, you want to get on this show? Just praise Max Burgess. You're straight up there. Praise Daniel Arzani. Straight up there. Praise. Who else do we like? Ben Halloran? Straight yeah. up there. There'll be plenty Kolokowski. of plays with, plays with Ben Halloran. Maybe yeah. not this one. Yeah. Look, by the way, we're going to get into it a bit later. But, man, fantasy. What a train wreck that was for Let's all of us. Let's not talk oh. about A-League fantasy. Oh, man, I, do you guys do this thing every – it doesn't matter. Like, I play fantasy. Premier League, I play fantasy. La Liga, whatever it is. Every season, I start the season like, my, my team's going to kill it. It's embarrassing how much I'm going to lead the league by. <laughs> and then this – oh, my God. What a – Lacroix was ridiculously terrible. My, half my team didn't start. I had players rained out. Oof, it was I, I no, think I don't even know if I had anyone score a goal. Like can I just say one thing about the panic of fantasy and Joey actually like borderline like almost spat out his drink when he heard this and he had a almost borderline gulp me in the box on Friday about this. You know how when you pick your team, you're automatically your most expensive player becomes your captain, right? Mm. Now my most expensive player was Ben Garuccio, and I forgot Oy. to change it. And Ben Garuccio got one point and two as a Oy. captain. And I they let out a big, oh, like, uh, in the box. And uh, Joey straight away was like, how the hell didn't you change it? And I've been asking myself that question for the last two days. And, uh, yeah, fair to say, egg on my face, because Josh is beating me by, like, 25 points. And he has had one less player play than me, in, not even including the guys that didn't even feature in the F3 That's derby. Rough. So it's just been rough. That's no, we got a we got a special section for fantasy, so we, we'll get into yeah, it. Look, we'll so you held back there, um, swearing Nick Debano, and just as we start talking about Melbourne City, Western United, what I want to know is Robbie Thompson's commentary went viral, <laughs> uh, you know, on that Jamie Young shot. Now, here's the thing. Here's what I want to know. Now, basically, the world thinks that he said the f word. Right now, I personally am of the belief that a, a commentator should get one swear per season. All right, so just the most amazing goal happens. You know, think Ben Garuccio's back heel thing, and someone just goes, F me, like that's incredible, right? It, it, would, it would be amazing. It would be better than goal of the season if, if the commentator Bri- used Brian Taylor on Boyd's yeah, goal exactly. in the grand final areas. Look, I'll, I'll have to trust you. I don't know who Brian Taylor nah, is, it's... who Boyd is. You don't know who BT I is. I know who he is. Right Vince, Brian. Vince, Vince, Vince is friends. Yeah, yeah, Vince is yeah. mate. I don't know. Look. But they the hang out is, in their million dollar apartments in Sydney. They look in the harbor. <laughs> you should get one swear as a commentator. But do you think he actually swore? I, it just would be amazing to me if he actually <laughs> I'll, did. I'll, I'll take Daniel McBreen's word for it. He was sitting right next to him and said no. Uh, but it certainly sounded like he what did was he about say? to. I think he, he said but. I think, I think he but. said but. I think it's but. but. I don't think he said the F word. Um, I mean, but, they're, they're still I mean, if, they're still calling them from a studio in Sydney, so we couldn't walk across and ask him. But but, <laughs> I, but, but either way, I mean, in that moment, if he did drop the F word, I I don't blame him. Like, how much happened in those thirty seconds? Like, shot save, comes back. You know, of course, you might let off a big, just drop it. Like as Joey mentioned, BT in the grand final. Like there was a big goal, and then yeah. he just went just went nuts with it. And it's one of the, the probably one of the greatest commentary moments for the the sheer emotion of it and the guys apparently that's listening to him speak about it on, on a podcast recently and he was like oh you know the guys at triple m like my executives absolutely loved it and said like you actually just captured the moment we were all thinking it like you know holy yeah so why not but i mean 
I'll take his word for it. He didn't swear. Um, but it was a brilliant save from Jamie Young anyway, but before we even get into the rest of the game, he made so many good saves um, on, on Friday night. If it wasn't for him, that 2-1 scoreline could have easily ballooned to something around 3-4 because that was um, he, he had another monster game between the sticks. Um, all right, guys, let us know what you think Robbie Thompson said if he didn't swear. And let us also know what A-League moment would make you uh, swear. Joey, uh, you were at the Melbourne City-Western United game. Give us give us your thoughts on it, kind of what it means for Melbourne City, what it means for Western United. 2-1 flattered Western United. Um, before we get to talking about Leo Lacroix's uh, disaster class, uh, it was... It was certainly a game that was. It felt like it was being played on Melbourne City's terms. Western United struggled to play out from the back, which was, you know, something that happens to them last season as well. When they were denied transition, they would get pegged back in their own uh, half at times and struggle to progress the ball. Jamie Young last season had a series of shaky moments when he came under pressure and defenders and midfielders weren't showing for the ball and nervy moments. So perhaps hints that it's only round one, you cannot react, overreact to anything that takes place in this round. However, you can certainly potentially see signs of trends carrying over or new foundations being laid. And that is going to be something to watch uh, moving forwards that the game Western United felt like they were denied the opportunity to play the game the way that they wanted by Melbourne City's press. Um, and, yeah, for Melbourne City, um, I'll let Demano talk about Valon Borussia. Obviously, obviously, he was great. But, yeah, it certainly was promising signs for Patrick Isnorbo's sides, although maybe promising on the sense or maybe delivering on expectations giving how high expectations are for Melbourne City and the talent that they have assembled, albeit they were helped out by Leo Lacroix probably having the worst game that he's had since he arrived in Australia. Dubano, what were, you, what were your thoughts? Why do you think Western United struggled so much? Because last season mm. we saw them be so solid defensively, so hard to break down, um, and it wasn't the case this time. Well, Joey already touched on the main point. I mean, I don't think Leo Lacroix will play a worse game ever. And I think, you know, he just had a really off night and it just seemed like it was one of those nights where nothing went right. And funnily enough, he actually got the assist in the end for the goal. But everything else in the defensive half, he just looked really shaky, looked nervous. Um, you know, just really uncharacteristic mistakes from someone who's usually quite a cool head in those moments. Um as mentioned about playing out from the back, they, in those uh, instances, really missed Alexander Prijevic, uh for a number of different reasons. He's the bailout target if you want to go long because he can bring the ball to ground uh, with his hold-up ability, but also his aerial presence. But also what he does offer when you go forward is he he really functions well with the guys in around him, with the likes of Connor Payne and Lockie Wales and Dylan Wenzel Halls, of having that that presence up top who's able to drag defenders. He's able to get those little flicks like we saw in the in the finals, which worked to a plum last year. His positioning is great. So when they're able to get past that first layer of press, which last year Western United, to their credit, did really well against Melbourne City, especially um, in that 2-2 draw late last year when they were able to attack the fullbacks, they just couldn't get to it this time around. And they really, really struggled in those moments. But as Joey mentioned, to Melbourne City's credit, I mean, they play with a lot of energy. They This is the exact sort of response you'd expect for a team that that 
probably by all, all you know recollection and everything else, they probably would feel a bit humiliated about the grand final loss last year and would want to come out of the blocks, set the record straight off the back and really make a statement straight away. And they did. They played with energy. There was a lot of spice, like a lot of big tackles. You know, we saw the uh, little sort of fisticuffs between Andrew Nabu and Connor Payne where, you know, it was a bit of push and shove and everything. There was a bit of spice in those early moments and you just had this feeling Melbourne City really wanted to send a statement and they did. Um, Val and Barisha spoke about it after the game. You know, the players were really motivated for this game and they really wanted to come out and show something, and they did. Um, and to their credit, I mean, with all the abs- the last-minute absentees, I mean, Kisnovo spoke about it. They lost three three players on the uh, basically 24 hours before the game. Curtis Good, Nuno Reish, Florent Berengay. They had to kind of shuffle things a little bit. I don't think it was the 24 hours. I think he was just telling Fibs in his pre-game presser. And there goes Nick Dubano and his microwave. And Nick Stoll's on mute. This is this podcast is going fantastically. All right, um, no, no. one second. Here we go. I was just uh, going to say, why? Why do you think PK was fibbing with that? Oh, because he just never gives anything away. I, I don't think Curtis Good and all that were playing when he did his pre-game press conference. He just hates to knock. He just hates to give anything away. Um, so, I mean, I'll pick up. Sort of another interesting talking point. Hopefully, we can get back to Nick Devane when he comes back on. Um, Marco Tilio starts on the bench. Mm. This mm. was, I think, not just a major talking point for the match itself, but obviously for the Socceroos and their World Cup campaign. Um, Tilio, he comes on with about twenty minutes left. Um, he actually has a chance to score at the end as well, and he sort of fluffs it. Um, and it was interesting. Is his confidence hearing. gone? Is his confidence shot, do you think? One would have to think that it's certainly not good. It might mm. not be bad. I'm not going to speak for Tilio, you know, and his mindset, but in my estimation, it certainly can't it be good like because every player wants to start. You know, no player wants to sit on the bench. So um, every player wants to start. and Especially result, round one. And yeah. you're pushing for soccer risk. Yeah, like, you've only got six games to impress Graham Arnold, and he's starting on the bench, and he's only coming on. It's not like he was a halftime sub either. He came on in the 70th minute. So he really, you know, around approximately the 17th minute, 70th minute. So he didn't have much time to do anything. And then the one chance that he did get, he missed it. I mean, I asked Kisnorbo about this post game, and he talked about, well, I'll read the exact quote. Um, I go on my feel and players that have done well in the preseason, and I thought Naboot deserved to play. Um, Naboot starting, obviously, it appears as though maybe perhaps Kisnorbo there revealing that it is Naboot and Tilio competing for minutes. Just because Marco got picked for the Socceroos doesn't mean anyone's an automatic starter. You need to work hard to get into the team, and he got his chance today. I was happy for him when he came on. I picked the best 11 that I think going into the game. Just because you represent Australia doesn't mean you're an automatic starter in this team. Now, that could, reading into that, that could be sending a message. That could be, or it could just be, it could be benign and Tilio could be starting next week when Melbourne City visit Brisbane. We don't know, but it was that was an interesting statement from Kisnorbo. And I guess the problem for Tilio is that of all the attacking options that Melbourne City had, Florent Berenier is probably not going to come back for a little while, I think, because he's done a hamstring and at his age, 
And with his history of hamstring issues, you've got to think he's not going to get rushed back in. But Valon Borussia is in there now, and his performance is obviously going to demand more minutes going forward. Lecky and Lecky in the boot, both of them had serviceable games. Neither of them did anything that would have me suggest would have me thinking that Kisnorbo is going to want to make a change. So on current tra- trajectory, Marco Tilio is not going to get the type of minutes that he needs to push for a Socceroos appearance. Um, someone is playing around with the banners down the bottom. Sorry, uh, I realized there's a typo on Taryn's last name and I was trying to fix it. And I just pressed a few too many buttons. Sorry. Oh, good. Course. Oh, good. Someone fixed the typo in the banners. Uh, Dabana, while we welcome you back and I ask you a couple of, <sighs> to comment on a couple of things that came through, uh, through firstly, Aliga, great name, by the way, uh, yeah. via YouTube. Valon Barisha is next level. Do you think, you know, I mean, it's one game in, but do you think he's going to be an absolute kind of superstar of the competition. I'm not going to go too long with this because just in case my computer shuts down on me, it wasn't the microwave <laughs> this time, guys. It was just my malfunctioning Dell. Um, just, yeah, I, in terms of Val and Barisha, guys, I think he's going to be a great signing. I mean, it's no secret this guy's been playing in some of the top divisions in the world over the past few years and his quality has shone through. Like, he's played over 50 caps for between two different nations. He's played in the Bundesliga, uh, Red Bull Salzburg in the Austrian Bundesliga. He's played for Lazio. He's played for Ram in Ligue 1. He's played literally everywhere. It's it's not like he's been, you know, a player with sporadic bench appearances. He's played a lot of good good quality football. And that quality was on show from the get-go. I, I have to admit, I have to eat a big slice of humble pie and apologize to Joey for my thoughts that Tilio would probably start ahead of him because I thought maybe there might be a bit of, you know, a bit of easing him in, but you know what? I'll, I'll happily eat that piece of humble pie and I'll happily say, Joey, you were right. Um, but yeah, he he's going to be a great player and also a great personality. That post-game yeah. interview was sensational, just Fun. really raw, um, you know, it and just those Seems moments. like he cares. Like that's another Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. How many foreigners that come here, let's be honest, maybe they care, but a lot of them seem like they yeah. don't. And he's he really here. invested. He seems emotionally yeah, he, invested he, in this team. And he said, like, I wasn't part of the team that lost the grand final last year, but I really wanted to make sure that we got got one up on Western United to start the season. And um, he's working the midfield, like, sort of zipping in between the lines, playing that role, sort of just in behind the front three. He was sensational. Great replacement for Conor Metcalf. And with Florian Berengay out, there was a lot of... Um, there was a lot that was riding on his shoulders, especially with the way City lined up in midfield, with O'Neill and Gamulka sitting a lot further, further back, which gave Barisha... Just he had to carry sort of a lot more responsibility in terms of setting things up for the front three, and he did a great job. So you know what? Signs looking good for him. Um, I'm just curious to see what will change when Berongay's fit. Um, that hamstring injury, don't know how long he's going to be out for, but PK did sort of allude to the fact that, I mean, he's going to take some time. So uh, whether City stick with that midfield setup, which I, I genuinely think they will, um, that we might see that revert when Berengay comes back to sort of two more uh, two eights and playing with one six instead of two sixes and an eight. So, yeah, curious to see how that all plays out. But good start, uh, big tick from me. Um, just quickly, a little response from both of you guys uh, on this. Jack Pantelios, hate to say, but Jamie Young is the GOAT A-League goalkeeper. you got Michael Theo, you've got... Eugene Galekovic, you've got... Matt Ryan in the early days was bloody good for those few seasons. 
Sure. I, yeah, I guess that's the thing is like, how do you compare? But, it, you know, Jamie Young, he's kind of longevity. But yeah, Michael Fair won five championships. Yeah. <laughs> As they let goalkeeper, I mean that's pretty hard to to beat. Uh, any of you guys agree with Jack there? Goat A League goalkeeper. Sorry, Jack, it's a tough one. Um, mm. Good point uh, from Joe K Football. In my injury, massive blow. Joey, agree? Agree, and it sounds like he's going to be set for a decent stint on the sidelines. John Aloisi saying post game that his AC joint popped out and was up around here, um, which isn't good. Um, and all uh, admittedly, you know, your shoulders and your arms aren't as important, uh, in football as they are in other sports, but it still sounds like that's going to be uh, a decent stint on the sidelines for Tamaki Imai, which will leave the hyphen Nikolai Topor Stanley as the presumptive starter in that center back, uh, pairing with Leo Lacroix and Ben Collins, uh, potentially, as mm. can see some more minutes as a result. Um, I think, yeah, but that's going to be we coming into the season. We wouldn't have expected defensive issues to potentially be an Achilles heel for Western United, but here we go, round one. Uh, am I injured? And Leo Lacroix has his worst game in Australia. Yeah, uh, I, I think it de- definitely, you know, it will be interesting to see how things change with Topple Stanley in the lineup. But also, I mean, would would they maybe turn to Jacob Tratt? That's one name we we haven't mentioned. I mean, they do have more centre back depth this year, but. Yeah, uh, that that injury by all sounds sounds really nasty. Like a dislocated shoulder like that. I mean, he could be out for we were, we were hypothesizing it could be a few months. Some of those shoulder injuries with an AC joint, they can be really, really bad, and you can be out for quite some time, or you can be back within a couple of weeks. All right. Uh, just before we move on to Macarthur Brisbane, uh, Aliga says Tom Glover best game since 2021 Grand Final could be the influence of the new goalkeeper coach with his confidence. Look, he had a bad season last season, both in the A League and when they went away for the Asian Champions League as well. And it did seem like you know he had had a real kind of lack of confidence. Um, did you guys notice an improvement uh, on I- Friday night? I did, and I made this exact same point to um, friends of the podcast, Anna Harrington, in the box, um, that there is a new goalkeeping coach that's come into Melbourne City, former head coach of Saudi Arabia's under-21 side, and it generally look, genuinely looks like Glover is at least carrying himself with a little more confidence. As I said, you can't extrapolate anything from round one onto the length of a full season, but it looks like that was a shrewd bit, shrewd bit of coaching uh recruitment by melbourne city um they didn't have like neil young departed before last season um and that looked like it had some effect on tom glover so it looks like this could be um a real benefit to tom glover moving forward given you know he did he was the ollie ruse first choice goalkeeper throughout the the tokyo cycle and he did at a few times was getting some Socceroos buzz before last season happened. Mm. So there is latent potential. He was on the books of Spurs at one point. So there is latent potential there. So, and it's not like goalkeepers don't have extraordinarily long primes that they can call upon. So going to be interesting to see um, what he does moving forward. But one other thing I did want to touch on this game was the crowd. Um, First game of the season, Grand final rematch, two local rivals, and the official crowd checking on ozstadiums.com was 7,501. Not good. However, my takeaway from this is at this point, I 
wouldn't be expecting much more at this point uh, coming from this low baseline. So my biggest takeaway, well, my biggest new takeaway, I'll say, obviously it's a bad crowd and it's disappointing. And one of the things that, you know, was blown away in the controversy of the Australia Cup final last week was the problem that A-League's clubs, newer A-League's clubs have had in winning hearts and minds and bringing large fan bases in. But Melbourne City really desperately need like a stadium in the southeast of Melbourne to play in, a small boutique ground to play in. Um, 30,000 seat Amy Park. It's just... It's it's just dragging them down because, I mean, you look at it at this point, they've been the best team in the league um, for three years, packed full of Socceroos. I mean, I know we're not talking about, like, they don't have marquee talent. They've got – they're packed full of Socceroos, you know, which is should be plenty marquee enough. At this point, I just think it is what it is with their crowds. And in that case, you've got to look at the stadium situation or something to create a better atmosphere because – you know, we see it around the world, 7,500 people in a 10,000-seat stadium, 12,000-seat stadium is a much better spectacle than 7,500 people in a 30,000-seat stadium. So trying to be constructive with the crowd and think about something new. Um, yeah, obviously, there's the long-standing issue we have with A-League clubs connecting with local populations, which we were reminded of last week, but also reminded of the absolute dearth of suitable boutique football stadiums in this country. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to Brisbane Raw, uh, MacArthur. Oh, we um, can make this point again with Brisbane yeah. Raw. Though. I mean, I look I look at the crowd. I mean, it was they were talking about how great it was to be back in Suncorp. The crowd was 8,521. Suncorp's, what, 50,000-seat stadium? Yeah. yeah. Um, the only other boots, suitable boutique stadium, like suitable, it was Dolphin Stadium, which is in Redcliffe, which is ages away and prohibitive yeah. for them. So there we go. Brisbane, another city where we desperately need a proper boutique rectangular stadium to create a bit of atmosphere. Mm. Um, so just looking at the Channel 10 or Paramount Plus uh, graphic that has the 0-0, I'm going to call from now on uh, Neil All's Duolingo because it looks like the Duolingo bird, all right? that's It's got the little 0-0, zero, zero, it's blue, it's, it's a, got the red the, the, eye. This has already been a meme. You might notice it's a penguin. I think it's the Duolingo bird. And I, I think, think it's a actually, Duolingo bird as well. Shout out to Bono. And also, here's what I'd say. Man, sponsorship, all right? You want to run in-game ads. While it's nil all, and by the way, a few of those games are nil all for a long time, stick a Duolingo logo right there. Bang, there you go. APL, I've just made you another million dollars. You know, you let me know. Um, so what you're saying is when it's nil-nil, just have the Duolingo app as basically the scoreboard, like the logo for it, and then it changes to the actual scoreboard when there's a goal. Let's go even further. Let's put a few phrases down the bottom of the page so we learn languages while these games are nil. Let me tell you something. Western Western Sydney v Perth needed something to happen on that screen because I was unbelievably bored. But we're going to talk about that later. Um, Callum has just asked in the comments, have they spoken about the VUC yet? We're doing in chronological order. So we will get to the after this after, game. after this game. And we won't spend too much time on it. But uh, Dabana, your kind of initial uh, reaction to Brisbane Raw 0, MacArthur 0. Uh, Brisbane looked good at the start. They were very progressive. They were trying to play through the lines. Uh, I Amiento. liked what I saw in the, the stage. Yeah, Carlo Amiento was very good. I mean, Warren Moon going back to a back three, uh, something that, you know, he had a 
bit more bit more success with two seasons ago when they made last made finals. Um, you know, Armiento as a left wing back is an interesting move, but hey, it actually looked like it worked okay. Um, Charlie Austin That's had some nice Ar- moments. Armiento has always been more of a get down the byline and cross it in type yeah. of player than a cut inside, and- so he's suited for wing back. Absolutely. And he actually looked quite good. I mean, he's been out of the, he was out all last season with that ACL injury, but the season before that at Perth, I mean, he had some very decent showings. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how that goes going forward, but MacArthur built their way into the game and really they should have won. Like Anthony mm. Carter had two great opportunities, especially that chance in the first half fizzed across the face. Like you got to put those away, son. Like, I mean, that, those sort of moments right there just sort of summed up the game. It was a game of near misses and not much else. It wasn't really the most exciting game that you'll ever see. Um, but, I mean, to take out of it, there wasn't really a hell of a lot other than the back three might be something to keep an eye on for Brisbane Raw going forward. But for MacArthur, I mean, some of that box office sort of, you know, excitement that we had in the Australia Cup kind of rubbed off against a better opposition. Um, mm. you know, Azani wasn't great. I mean, as much as we, we all been singing his praises, wasn't his best game. Um, you know, Al Hassan Toure wasn't able to get into the game as much. Uh, you know, it just wasn't the best game for them in all facets. So we'll see what happens next week when obviously Brisbane play City, much better opposition, going to be another tough game for them. And um, for MacArthur, I mean, who have MacArthur got next week? It chose to show I've just had a bit of a blank. Adelaide United at home. So See if things turn around in that game. But, uh, yeah, not too much to write home about um, coming out of Suncorp Stadium. Uh, I'm going to be very interested to see what sort of Brisbane look we actually get against Melbourne City because Warren Moon has demonstrated that he will adjust depending upon the opponent opponent with different formations and different looks. And I think the real emphasis on width that he had against MacArthur, it's going to be interesting to see if that emphasis on width is something that stands throughout the rest of the league or this was something that was really teed in on against MacArthur because you look at it um, both um, Arzani and Toure who are operating as the wingers for MacArthur they were a bit lacking at times with their defensive efforts with the uh, wingbacks uh, Hingit, um, Hing- Hingit and Armiento bombing up the touchlines they weren't as getting back as quickly or as often as they could I remember there was one time when um, Hingit was just driving into the box and Arzani just sort of stopped and was watching him run on. Um, so that was an area that Brisbane were really able to exploit and just sort of broke down at the ends there because it was too much cross spam. They were just lacking a bit of talent and a bit of, well, not talent, a bit of incisiveness um, and just an ability to do something other than just spam crosses. Um, but the build-up play sort of it looked like that had been keyed in against MacArthur. And I think another problem that MacArthur had, obviously, I'd, I think Lockie Rose should be starting um, over Anthony Carter in that system. I think it, we saw what it could do in the cup. I think it w- would work better at this point. I can see what Carter brings. You sort of want him as the tall target man up there. You've got a lot of your talented players and he can sort of knock the ball down and hold the play up and that sort of stuff. I think I'd like to see Lockie Rose get a start um, against Adelaide. And the other thing, the, the biggest issue for me for MacArthur in this game was the disconnect that existed between their defensive um, third and their attacking third. That play through the midfield, it just wasn't there. Um, they went with Jerry Scatanis and Daniel Silva there as that midfield pairing. And I don't think it worked very well. It was a 
like they weren't showing like they, they could have shown for the ball a little better when they were trying to play out from the back it just didn't it felt like the the attack and the defense were operating on two different islands. It didn't feel like we were they were just weaved interconnectedly. And that was one thing that I did. I put this in my season preview about MacArthur. One of my concerns was how are they going to be a functional side in possession or is their game plan just going to rely on getting the ball to one of their really talented attackers and having them do something? didn't really function in possession in this game. Now, obviously, it's round one. Admittedly, they had the cup round. But um, round one, you can't extrapolate anything. I'm going to keep saying that throughout the show. But that's something that I had my eye on in this game. Yeah. Look, yeah, I think the team obviously looks better last week in the cup final. And, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, that was against Sydney United. Sydney United knocked out Brisbane Raw. So, you know, know, a little bit respect for Sydney United. Um, But Lockie Rose does stretch the line better than Anthony Carter. I don't know what Anthony Carter gives you. I haven't seen enough of his game, but I don't know what he gives you that is such an advantage over Lockie Rose. Maybe it was a fitness issue or whatever. Um, The same thing kind of with – I mean, I I don't mind Skatatis, but, yeah, it wasn't his best game. And and I'm kind of a bit – when I first saw the lineup, I, I quite liked it, um, but you know they did look better with Kieran Backus playing there last week. So we should see if he gets back in the lineup um, for round two. Uh, we had a comment come in from Angelo Tyro, uh, Tilio and Azani playing their way out of World Cup calculations disappointingly. Look, I'll admit it wasn't Azani's best game, but I also don't think it was a terribly poor game. There were flashes where we saw him absolutely rip players, go past players, with mm. his, which is what you want. And if you compare him to, okay, so Tilio hasn't started a game and had not played well when he's come on. Qual and Cummings, who are also kind of competing for these spots, at least in our heads, at least that's our understanding. These are the kind of ones being decided from. They didn't even play. So I actually think Azani is, is a step closer than he was, uh, you know, maybe two weeks ago. I wouldn't say he's a step closer, but he didn't take a step back. Yeah, okay. Maybe that maybe that's no, right. I don't think it's fair to say Tilio's played his way out of World Cup calculations. I mean, it's he didn't out of play. his control if he's not getting minutes. Like it's not his fault. And in those 17 minutes, I mean, he came very close to scoring, probably should have scored as well. But I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a huge step back in what Tilio did when he was on the field. I just think this is completely out of his control right now. This is up to the coach playing him. And I'm sure in my moment when my computer was rebooting, you guys spoke about it. But, I mean, that's not going to change based on, you know, him just being a socceroo. Like, that's up to Patrick Isnobo, you know, seeing him as someone that he actually wants to start and how he fits in the system right now. And, obviously, he preferred to go with Andrew Naboo on the wing. I wouldn't um, say it's completely up to, like, in the sense, I got, I got a sense from Patrick Isnobo that maybe... Like this is just me hypothesizing. I'm guessing, but Kisnorma maybe wanted to see something more in training or something. So th- there are ways that you can demand any player can demand playing time. It's ripping shit up at training, ripping shit up when you come on. So it's not like Tilio. I agree with the broader sense of your point, Devano. But at the same time, mm. Tilio can do things to help his case. He's not a he's not a babe in the woods. Oh no, he's not completely inept, but I'm just saying like he can you can train the house down, but you know, at the end of the day, if your coach still wants to go with a tried and tested formula on game day, that's unfortunately, you know, if something's working and he thinks it's working and he's stuck with this front three for quite some time, I can see him sticking with this. And you know, with games not coming thick and fast this time around heading into the World Cup with shorter turnarounds, I don't see uh Kisnobo changing it too much. But I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens over the next few weeks. 
I was surprised actually a lot of the players who were involved in the Socceroos who are A-League based were on the bench. So I know yeah. the game didn't get played, but the Mariners, Qual and Cummings was on the bench. So I don't know if the coaches were, you know, frustrated that they didn't get to work with these players, you know, a few weeks ago when they were in camp. I think that's pretty stupid if that is the reason. Um, but, you know, mm. obviously not being there. Um, two things I want to just quickly ask you guys about Brisbane before we move on. Akbari not starting, and, and do we think he's going to be spending the season kind of coming off the bench, or you know, is is that just you know first round, whatever? Maybe he's not totally up to speed, but that was a surprise to me. And two, how do you guys think uh, Charlie Austin is going to go this season? Because there were little moments where you kind of thought, oh, here we go, there could be a goal here, um, especially that cross from Armiento uh, in the first half. But I guess I'm worried for a player who's so reliant on service how much service is he really going to get with his team and then is he going to have one of these seasons where he's only scores less than 10 goals or something um because he's not getting that service uh to joey's point earlier about Warren moon changing things depending on opposition i think akbari is certainly still right in the reckoning to see minutes i think it just depends on you know what sort of system they're going with and who they're playing i mean he went a lot more defensive in terms of his uh, spine by playing Kai Truen and Jay O'Shea as two midfielders. But against some other opposition, maybe he'd want to play O'Shea and Ak- Akbari together. So I wouldn't say he's completely sort of left in the wilderness. I think we've got to give it a few more weeks. And I think we'll see how those different variations uh, stack up against different opposition. And just on short with Charlie Austin, I think he played all right. I don't think he played poorly. I think, as mentioned, he just didn't get as much service. Um, and I... I Again, I think it's way too early to sort of say definitively, yep, he's going to be, you know, a flop or, yep, he's going to absolutely tear this league apart. I still think he's going to score a lot of goals. I think just by weight, he's going to be the guy that gets on the end of those half chances. He's going to put himself in those areas. He's probably going to be designated penalty taker as well. So I I think this year, you know, he's still going to bang him in. But um, to what level, uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Joey, you concur? Yeah, I think you know, the young player point, I think at this point, just the quickest way to ensure you'll start on the bench is to just be in my boy stable as a young player. It seems like across the opening week of the season, all of them um, were named on the bench rather than starting. It's a case of wait and see. I think it's round one. I don't want to, I don't want to give, make too many hot takes just in round one. <laughs> All right, uh, really a quick one on Central Coast Mariners and Newcastle Jets. Neil La Nina won. Look, disappointing to not see this game. I think I think we would have been traded to a good game. Uh, you know, they're, they're very sad for all the, the, the fans who went out there, braved the rain. There was a big uh, away contingent from Newcastle, uh, which I saw on social media. Um, Matt Simon, uh, you know, gave a real kind of yeah. nice speech and to the crowd and, and like, look – he is not the most um, graceful player to have uh, touched the league, but he is someone, he is a legend of the Mariners. You know, he has battled his way for that team year after year. And from, from all accounts, he's a really good guy off the pitch as well. Um, so it was sad that he didn't get kind of the nice send off, um, but, you know, he did, did do a nice speech and I think people should go check that out. But yeah, I guess, you know, we're hopeful to see this game, uh, happen once once it does get rescheduled i'm very interested to see when it will happen because obviously two of the major talking points garen call and jace cummings garang looks like 
he's going away with the under 20s. So, and then he's leaving in Newcastle. So it might not be as relevant for him because he's going to, well, it's bad for him in the sense that he's missed one of the few A-League men games he was actually going to play before the World Cup announced, was announced. For Jason Cummings, though, it's going to be very interesting. If they, can, if they reorganize the game in the next six weeks, ostensibly he hasn't missed out on an opportunity to impress Graham Arnold, particularly if they organize to play the game midweek or something, because mm. then Graham Arnold's undivided attention will be on the game, because what else is he going to watch? <sighs> However, on the flip side, if they have to reorganize this for later in the season, all of a sudden Cummings' goal of six goals, six games is now five goals in five games. And perhaps even worse for him, Jamie McLaren scored um, for Melbourne City. And either, I don't think they're competing for a spot, but maybe Jamie McLaren scoring and is having Graham Arnold think, I don't need four centre forwards. I can just go with Taggart, Duke and McLaren. Because Duke's season is ending soon as well. So it's not like he he's, he's not going to shit the bed um, in his domestic season. And I'd safe to say, he, unless he gets injured in like his last few games, he'll go. So that's going to be very interesting to see. When does that game get reorganised? Does Cummings get his six games before the World Cup? And when do we get to see? And does Arthur Pappas come to his senses for my fantasy team and start Reno Piscopo in the rematch? Um, just on that, I think it would be a massive blessing in disguise if this game does get played before the the, the end of this six-game break, only because, I mean, Jason Cummings wasn't even starting the game, which was quite a, an interesting decision from Nick Montgomery to, to not go with Cummings. You would have thought Cummings would have been a nailed-on starter for this sort of game, but instead went with, um, shoulder, I think it was shoulder, Ayongo. Shoulder injury. Shoulder injury. Okay. Yeah, a bit so, of a shoulder I mean, injury. Yeah, so he went with Iongo and Silvera as the front two, but, you know, should he be all right to play in the rescheduled game? Should that be in the next six weeks? It might actually work okay for him. Um, yeah, it'd be really disappointing if both him and Quoll lost those 90 minutes due to, again, circumstances completely out of their control. I don't know, some bad juju in the air, guys, in regards to, you know, chances for the fringe Socceroos players to really push their case and things that are just not, going in their favour in this first week of the A-League season. Uh, at least the ones that were sort of in that New Zealand squad or the the next level down. There are a couple that, I mean, furthered their case in other games, but the ones that we were sort of speaking about specifically out of that Australia-New Zealand um, lot of games, you know, with guys like Tilio, mm. Paul, Cummings, they have had just a horror week. Um, but it'll be, I mean, hopefully they can get this game off soon and this isn't left too late in the piece to play. Um, but yeah, interesting decision as well, as you mentioned, Joey, that Renault Piscopo also wasn't starting in this game. And I think it looked like they were playing, uh, they were going to go with Dametzial, Dametz, I'm trying to say this correctly, Dametzlia, the other Becker, and Trent Bahadja as wingers with Costa Grozdas playing as a 10. So... I do wonder, you know, is that something that we'll see uh, Arthur Pappas stick with for next week or is that just a, a one-off for this game? And maybe Piscopo wasn't 100% fit. We don't know. Um, so, yeah, I guess we'll just have to wait and see what happens next week. Um, all right, let's move on uh, to the Big Blue, uh, which, of course, took place in uh, the new Allianz Stadium. 
Um, unfortunately, I wasn't able to go. Uh, oh, looked, no ticker. Oh, no, no, no. I feel very bad about it. Um, it looked very cool on TV. Uh, look, it was like if you weren't in Sydney, I cannot kind of convey to you how shit the weather is. And I'm actually surprised they got it's the crowd. It's sunny. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, it's okay now, but it was horrific last night, like just torrential rain. I know, like, I know. And actually, it was interesting to hear uh, what I guess was a little bit disappointing was that I was under the impression that basically the whole thing was covered. And uh, from the, the description by a lot of fans was they were saying the first, what, 10, 15 rows is not covered, um, which, you know, is kind of massively frustrating. I don't understand why you haven't designed a modern stadium in 2022 to have covered everything, especially in a city like Sydney, which, you know, Sydney has great weather, but when it rains, it pours, like it comes down heavy. So, you know, well done to um, uh, all the fans who braved the weather and turned up and, and, you know, for most of the part, I know there were some dickheads in the cove, but for most of the part, uh, really good atmosphere. But what did you guys think kind of on the field? What was your big takeaway? I know Joey, you wrote for ESPN about it. What, what, What did you take out of the match? Yeah, I'll get to the incident with the bottles in a bit. But on the game, it was it was an entertaining game. It was a fun game. Uh, I think the weather conditions certainly worked against both sides being able to produce as fluid a football as they would have liked, giving them the benefit of the doubt um, on that front, even though I did think we saw some trends there. Obviously, I think Melbourne victory, as they demonstrated last night, again, is going to be a side that is going to be very devastating um, in transition, um, the way that they can get out quickly and the talent that they have assembled. Um, biggest things for me, well, in terms of potential long-term takeaways uh, beyond the game itself, the injury to Alex Wilkinson, um, I think, was a major mm-hmm. impact on the game. We saw Steve Corica responds by bringing on Paolo Retre um, as a wing back. What did back you make and- of that? I thought it was sus. Um, what does it say to Gerd, who is yeah. a centre back by trade, did well in the FA Cup? Well, it probably Australia says Cup. the same. It probably says the same thing to him as Popovich opting to start uh, Broxham over Timotheu did to Timotheu. Um, yeah, it, and I don't think it worked. We saw in the second, well, worked times in the second half, but Sydney didn't look defensively sound when Victory was able to get out and break. Um, into the second half, there were problems, you know, with their transition defence in the midfield and against the side with victory's quality that's going to get punished. Now, we saw so we saw the ramifications, some of the ramifications that for one game with Wilkinson being out. The question is now when Wilkinson potentially, uh, Steve Corrick has said in the aftermath, um, it was a groin injury. Now, Groins can take two or three, four weeks at the best of times. Alex Wilkinson's not a spring chick. Um, so that could be something very much that you have to keep an eye on, soft tissue injuries like that, um, how long he's going to be in the sidelines. And I know they'll probably get Rodwell back at some point soon, but if your defensive fortitude is relying on Rodwell staying fit over the length of a season, even a short season like the A-League men, you're in a spot of bother, Mm. I think, because unfortunately the man has never been able to stay fit for a full season. Maybe once or twice in early in his career, but I think he's, in general, his career has been defined by 
time on the sidelines and injuries. That's going to be tricky. And the same thing counts for Melbourne victory. Sparanovic um, wasn't past fit to play. Um, he wasn't dropped as the uh, foreign editors on my ESPN story changed my copy to read. Um, he wasn't past fit to play. Um, and in his stead, we saw Timotheu not make the starting lineup, and instead it was Broxham and Miranda. Broxham was caught out for Robert Mack's goal. He did rebound, made some important tackles in the end. Nice DJ goal, Brox, Yeah. DJ Brox, he's going to do that. He's going to throw himself about and he'll make tackles. But we saw the challenges you're going to have with DJ Broxy on that first goal. Is it a situation where in, you know what Sporanovic is? He's going to have to be managed. He's going to miss games. That's why you signed BJ Hamill last season. Is their defensive depth, if DJ Broxy starting over Timotheu in week one, going to be something that can hold up over the course of an entire season. So we got a comment coming in from Alan Riley. He says, DJ Brooks is vastly better than Timotheo. Hashtag just saying. Uh, Debano, agree or disagree? Um, well, I mean, Timotheo didn't necessarily, uh, with no disrespect, didn't endear himself in that potential from the, the game I saw, especially against Manchester United, didn't endear himself. Uh, particularly well with that own goal. And I mean, other than that, I mean, you look at their defensive depth. There's young Matt Bozanovsky who uh, comes back from loan from Wellington. He's not really near it by the looks of it right now. Um, they tried Edmund LaPanchu against Manchester United. He also scored an own goal in that game as well. Um, so the depth in centre-back is just, it's not the same as last year because as Joey mentioned, BJ Hamill, played a very important role last year in playing, just filling in whenever Spirit couldn't, because we know that Matt Spiranovic will probably, as Angelo put it, I mean, play less than 10 games. I think we, we might see him play every second week, might see him play every third, because they're going to have to be conservative with him, making sure he's 100%. Um, but it will be, it's going to be an interesting case study throughout the season to see if they stick with this, um, whether they might look to, to bring someone in in January as well and, you know, sort of see, let it play out until then and then see what they can do then and maybe bring in a reinforcement in. Um, but just on, I mean, the game itself, it was a, it was a fun game. Uh, it was, it was a fun game. Like it was not in the sense that like it wasn't maybe the football purist fun game, but there were a lot of goals. There was a lot of transition. There were a lot of cool individual moments. I mean, got to give a shout out to Chris Economides who came off the bench and, you know, start with talking about fantasy, a lot of fantasy owners, hearts in mouth for a second when he was named on the bench, but he came on and had a brilliant second half, you know, scored the, um, scored the goal, uh, got the assist then for Josh Berlante at the end, showed a lot of energy up and down that left-hand side and really cre creates a massive conundrum now for Tony Popovich going forward. I mean, where are you going from here? Is he going with, you know, Economides to on the left-hand side over Ben Falami? I thought Ben Falami actually played a good game for the first hour. I thought he was actually quite energetic. So Set up there the first is a goal as well. Yeah. There is a big, big conundrum here. And, you know, it's not a bad problem to have at all if you're, you're Tony Popovich. He's blessed with riches in that attacking third because D'Agostino scored. Nani had showed a lot in those little few moments, like that that beautiful ball into Economides. And, I mean, we know Jake Brim is going to keep starting as a 10. So he's got those three positions for four players. So let's sort of see how that plays out because there was someone, I, I want to find the comment again, um, saying, you know, Economides potentially putting himself into Socceroos frame. I think if he plays well enough, he could be, you know, maybe in the frame 
but I think it might be a little bit too late for him. And I think the fact that he's not starting is really going to work against him. And I don't think he's been called up in quite some time now as well, at least in, I think, not since last year. So it might be a bit too late for him for this World Cup, but maybe for the Asian Cup in particular, might be something of a more sort of, you know, feasible goal. But I think, you know what, he certainly put himself in there to maybe start against the Wanderers next week. So it'll be interesting to see what Popovich does. But nonetheless, I think victory can take a lot out of that from their attacking work in transition. They'll they'll devastate and they'll very, very good. I uh, wouldn't rule Economides out from the Socceroos mix too early. I mean, he got called in the reason he had so many, some of the problems he had last season because he spent a month in quarantine uh, before the commencement of the campaign because he was getting called into the Socceroos. And I mean, if Garen Kual can get buzz and get a call up because he comes off the bench and provides goals and assists, kind of mean he's a goal and an assist off the bench last night. So, and he's got international form and Arnie's called him in, in the past. So, I wouldn't rule that out, but one, two more points before we bring in Josh Parrish to get his thoughts on the game and then the Joeys and Shepard. And uh, one serious point and one not serious point. We got comment from um, Angelo uh, Tyro in the comments, call for Ansel help. Normally, I thought you reached for Ansel before the accident rather than after the accident. But um, Sydney FC itself, it was interesting to watch Sydney FC's new system, the 433. Um with the play of the wingers. So in attack, good stuff and bad stuff. They had more of the ball. They won the territory battle. They did some good things. But at the same time, I didn't think their shot quality was all that high. There was a lot of cutting in and shots from around the edge of the box, from angles, which victories was able to get defenders in front of and Izzo was generally able to cover. He had one that almost went underneath him. How much of that was because of the situation and with the wet weather and all that, we don't know. But And it was also notable that I noted in my stats when I was going over the stats last night, Adam LaFondra, I think, only had around 10 touches and didn't have a single shot in the 70-odd minutes that he was on the park. Nine touches, Lafondre, Joey. Hey? Nine touches. So didn't even he had nine, Ad, Adam yeah. Lafondre, so yeah, Adam Lafondre had nine touches and he didn't have a shot. So obviously the wingers, Joe Lolly and Robert Mack, a lot of joy, but it's round one. So I'm not going to well, raise the alarm bells just yet. They've got to get used to the system. But when you're leaving your best midfielder on the bench – your star number nine is having nine touches and not getting a shot. There are areas certainly of improvement, encouraging signs, but also series of improvement. Um, I'm not trying to shit on it, um, but you know, it's just something um, to keep an eye on, I think, but I think we should probably bring in um, uh, just one, Josh just Parrish. one second, one, one yeah. second before we bring on Josh, I would also like to make a point on this match. If you don't mind, I know you like to give eight minute answers and then cut it off, but I'm surprised anyway. you watched the match Nick Stoll. Of course I watched the match. <laughs> I watch all the matches. Look, what I say is, is this, is that they got rid of Ninkovic or the, you know, whatever Ninkovic didn't accept their offer of the contract. He was their most creative player. Their second most creative player. This is statistically speaking. It's not my bias speaking was Max Burgess creating most chances and, and, and what do you think? So when you leave, when you lose your most creative player and then you leave your second most creative player on the bench until the 73rd minute and on top of that, you're playing a new system. Yeah, you're going to get, I think their expected goal was 1.02 from 13 shots or something. Your LaFondra is not going to get the ball. Now, you know, I I don't know. I, I just, I didn't understand the changes that he made 
uh, and when he made them. I think Mac and Lolly, there's potential there um, for them to be quite good, uh, but they're quite direct. I don't see them as, as players who are really going to, you know, break down systems or, or even the ball progression. It doesn't seem like they're going to drop deep and help progress the ball up the field. Uh, maybe potentially Lolly in the way he dribbles the ball, but I just think that midfield still has issues. Yazbek, I don't mind. Uh, Braddon is coming back from a year off and you could see it. And, and then Caceres, you know, has his moments, but for me, for me is lacking. So we'll see what happens with that. But just also I want to give a shout out to, um, you know, everyone's talking about the nanny pass uh, for the goal, but the ball from Stefan Nigro into Nani Ooh, yeah. to allow him Ooh, to yeah. do that. Amazing. So, you know, and I actually thought uh, victory, they looked pretty good. You know, I tipped them to in, in our season preview, which by the way, we've got a lot of compliments for, uh, and a lot of our predictions are already looking a bit shaky. But one thing that I'm quite happy with is uh, my Melbourne victory to be champions uh, prediction. I thought they looked good. I, I I liked what I saw from victory last season. You know, it, it's still poppable. You know, it's still going to be restrictive to say the least, but from Sounds what I saw, it's a transition, but yeah. But, but from what I saw is this is going to be successful. This is what I see. And also for the victory fans, I loved, you know, the fact that they were rubbing Sydney FC's nose and the fact that the last ever game played in that old stadium, they won. And the first ever game, they won as well. Like that to me is exactly what you should be doing as a victory fan. So that's what I wanted to say on the match. Before we do go to Josh Parrish, and we do want to go to that <laughs> soon, do we want to quickly talk about uh, the bottle throwing and the pitch invasion uh, that happened uh, later on? Can- I'll take one the... tiny point before Joey goes on the bottles, just about the bottles. Yeah. The whole point of it with, you know, the fact that they were doing it made no sense in this, in the sense we think about when you're, you're not just the fact that it's a terrible look and it is, it, they should never have done that. Stamp that, that crap out. Don't do it. It's just, it's, why? Like what? Like why? But in that point in the game, when your team's down by a goal with two minutes of stoppage time left, don't you want to get play restarted? Yes. Not waste time. Idiots. Don't you want to like, you know, you know, try and force a turnover and maybe create one more chance at goal to maybe pinch a point? Do you not have the faith to maybe go, hey, let's just hold it. Let Izzo mm. take his goal kick. He's already going to waste time. He's going to waste even more time. And he was even having a bit of bit of S-housery by, I think he, he almost took a drink. Like he actually started opening up one of the bottles. You know, like seriously, like it just made yeah. no sense. And, well, uh, and look, you know the what? Cove it, did it make that point. Me. Yeah, well, Cove did exactly. make that point. They, they released a statement, and Tony Spagona says in the comments, great statement by the Cove. Well, we don't have yeah, time to read the whole thing. All right. yeah, but, but they they did make the point that they didn't endorse this. They criticized it, and it is stupid. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it was good to see the Cove come out and making that statement. Also, I, I, on the it was stupid. It's disgraceful behavior. I'm not going to compare their behavior to anything else, all right? I'm just going to treat their behavior for it. It was stupid. It was ridiculous. It's not what this game... It was dangerous. It's not what this game needs. I mean, obviously, Izzo um, treated it with a bit of fun, posted on his Instagram about throw a beer next time, but you can't be throwing stuff at people at, at work. This is football players' workplace. You can't go to somebody's workplace and start throwing stuff at them. It's, you know, if that hits somebody and injures them, it's assault. It's... It's terrible behavior. It needs to get stamped out. And I guess I'm even more wound up because I've seen a tweet today from, I apologize, I don't know his full name, but Roscoe, he's a well-known Sydney FC fan. He volunteers for the club. He helps marshal the ball kids on the sidelines. 
a ball kid was hit by a bottle. All right, Roscoe Sweet, he's barely 12 years old and giving up some time to help help the club. The kid, fortunately, um, the, the kid wasn't injured. But so an, a, a young kid, a 12-year-old kid, ball kid, was hit by a bottle. What are you doing? You morons. Don't do that shit. Um, and it was great to see the Cove come out with that statement at the same time. But I would like to see Sydney come out and acknowledge this and say something as well, say they're investigating it. And certainly if they can at least identify the Wazic that threw the bottle that hit the kid and ban them because it's technically like football Australia's code of conduct, as we saw with Sydney United show course notice and Melbourne victory show course notice during the Cavallo incident, it is the clubs that are held responsible for these sort of things. So yeah, it's great that the Cove has come out and made a statement, but it is Sydney FC's responsibility. So they'll need to investigate and they'll need to come out and say something on this. And I mean, if we're going to stamp out bad crowd behavior, we have to stamp it out and we have to be serious with this stuff. It's not on. It was stupid. Hey guys, we know you love your footy, but perhaps you fancy a bit of rugby too. If so, then why not check out ESPN Scrum Reset, where Sam Bruce and Christy Doran discuss all the hot topics in the game from Super Rugby to the Wallabies and All Blacks, and even further afield. Available wherever you get your pods. Jo- oh, Josh Parrish, ladies and gentlemen. This, all right, let's give Josh his dues, okay? The guy commentates three national team games. What happens? We win all three games, all right? We concede one goal. We score 36 or something, all right? So let's just all pay our respects to the most successful commentator in Australian football history, unless... One person commentated Australia 31, American Small Neil, and then never commentated again. I will withdraw my statement. But otherwise, Josh, how does it feel to be the most successful commentator in Australian football history? Speaking of not stupid, that's uh, quite an intro. Uh, and, uh, Is that <laughs> a highway for the danger zone in the background? Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, music being played here before the, uh, the big match of the day, which is, of course, Cambodia versus the Northern Mariana Islands. Will... Mariana score a goal. Is Come on, Mariana. Let's Come go, on. Mariana. You know, I'm, I'm, I've been impartial the whole tournament, but for this one, I've got my colours nailed to the mast. Um, yeah, it was a good performance by the Joeys. Uh, they could have made it more comfortable for themselves than they did. Uh, early penalty won by Nesta Iran Kunda. And I have confirmed that he prefers to go by Nesta and not Nestori, uh, which took three games for me to get that piece of information, but we got there. Um, <laughs> fantastic run, uh, beat three Chinese defenders, fouled for the penalties, st- st- steps up to take it himself, puts it straight down the middle, backflips, crowd interruptions. And it was, a, it was a decent turnout today. It was nearly 1,200 people in Shepparton who came to watch this, and there was a good split of Australian fans and Chinese fans. So there was a bit of chanting going backwards and forwards and atmosphere that developed over the course of the game. Um, China were super rattled after conceding early. Australia really on top. Um, Max Haightley, the number nine from the Wanderers, missed a really guilt-edged chance from close range. It was saved too close to the keeper. Uh, Stole just vibing to the background music. Uh, but hey, is that vanilla ice hey, in the background? Hey, I, I don't know. It's hey. it's like the official um, AFC playlist that they do before like oh, every it's, game. It's, it sounds like <laughs> ice ice baby at the moment. <laughs> I don't just know. I don't sure. know what the... <laughs> if, it, if it's commercial music, we might not have to be able to run it on the pods. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll try and keep talking over the top of it then. Um, 
but yeah, uh, Max Hatley had a great chance. Then Australia won another penalty, sort of clumsy handball from a Chinese defender. And Hatley st- stepped up to take it. And he did a bit of a John Terry impersonation, lost his standing foot, <laughs> put the ball wide. And then maybe a minute later, and I'm sure his head's still elsewhere from missing the penalty, but he was tasked with marking China's key striker off corners. And although it wasn't dealt with at the front post and the corner was allowed to bounce inside the six-yard box, which is like every Sunday league coach's nightmare, um, Max Hately lost his man and Wang Yudong equalised. And Brad Maloney had to make a really tough call and substitute Hately after 30 minutes, which is obviously like... It's a brutal thing for a teenage player to go through that and have to come off. Um, but, you know, the team comes first and they brought on Mitch Glasson, um, who probably would have started today if not for like a slight injury knock that he picked up on Friday. They, um, you know, he, he recovered in time to make the bench and they brought him on early. Um, and, um, yeah, one, one and a half time, China completely, their mentality completely changed when they equalised. Like, it, it's so obvious, especially in youth football, just how psychological a game football really is uh, because it just has these massive momentum swings based on what's happening. And obviously, this, it's a maturity thing, uh, but it completely restored China's belief for the second half. And then early in the second half, China gets a straight red card and it completely conditions the rest of the match. Uh, it was a quite like controversial incident. Uh, I've looked at several replays. I still can't decide whether it was a straight red card or not. Um, what happened was it was basically just, just, just like a, a coming together on the side of the pitch right in front of the fourth official. And it was the fourth official who actually reported it. Um, but um, the Chinese player just raised his foot slightly as um, Nestor, Nesta Irankunda uh, slid in and he ended up kicking him in the face. Um, so it was like kind of a scary moment because I'm like, oh, did he get in his eye? Like he was scratching his face. He was obviously in pain. Um, and after some discussion, uh, the red card, straight red card came out for uh, the Chinese wing back. And um, there was a little bit of mistaken identity, including on my call and on the uh, grand announcing as well. Um, but eventually we identified because the player leading the protest was not actually the player who made the challenge. Um, but uh, China down to 10 and they needed a win to qualify. It was a really difficult position for them at 1-1. They had to sit back behind the ball. And Australia just had so much time on the board to just knock it around. And the, the Joe's coach, you could hear him from up on the scaffold. He was just yelling, keep the ball, keep the ball, keep the ball, um, and just slowly work their way into goal-scoring positions. And eventually they did. Iran Kunda uh, scored his second with a, a lovely take inside the box and sort of shifted it away from a defender and shot a cross goal with his left. Um, and then uh, he ended up teeing up the third, another solo run, cuts it back to the edge of the box for Miguel De Pizio, who was another player who really impressed this tournament. Uh, great finish first time. And, um, yeah, uh, Australia 3-1 winners, and the celebrations after the final whistle were, were something to behold. But China should still go through to the tournament, depending on some other results. Um, but they're expected to qualify as one of the best second-place teams. So they'll have a lower seating, but they should be uh, at the tournament, the a- a- AFC Asian Cup, next year as well. So, Josh, just one uh, question. You know, you've been out uh, in Shepparton for a few days uh, now. I think it's good to see, uh, you know, football in regional Australia. But the question has come in, how much Zambrera did Josh eat in Shep? Is that the best food to eat in Shepparton? <laughs> it's, a, it's a chain. Of course, I sampled the local cuisine. I didn't go for the big chains. Ooh, I, what did you, um, what did no, you eat? Zero. Um, I went to a, a, an institution, uh, Casablanca Pizza and Pasta. That was, that was great. 
really like that. Morocco, um, known for its pizza and pasta. <laughs> it's a it's an Italian enclave, I think. No, it's Spanish. Um, but my skin is uh, crawling. <laughs> no, it, it was um, it was one of those places that you can tell hasn't changed in like thirty to forty years, uh, and still probably the same family running it. So that was nice. that was great. Um, I also went to a place called I think it was Lemon Tree Cafe, and it had. I, I posted the picture in the group chat, Nick. Uh, massive brekkie burger, which was served oh, with like yeah. a stack of onion rings on a skewer on top. That was wow. that was intense. Top. So I, I guess it was also I wanted to know, like, has the town of Shepparton really embraced this tournament? And you know, it is you know going to regional Australia. I guess is a decision made by those in charge. How do you think that's gone down? I think it's gone down pretty well. Um, you can see how it's built over the course of the tournament. Like Wednesday night, terrible weather against Northern Mariana Islands, and there wasn't really anyone here. Uh, Friday night against Cambodia, a more important match. Still, the weather wasn't great, uh, but we got a decent turnout for that. And then a lovely sunny Sunday um, against really strong opposition and like the crucial showdown um, for top place in the group, and we got nearly 1,200 people here. So uh, that, that was excellent, and I, um, I think it's built over the course of it like the publicity and the lo- great coverage in the local paper as well, like, you know, full double-page spreads and stuff, which, you know, you wouldn't get if you staged it in the metropolitan area. So I think it's gone down well. And I know Goulburn Valley Suns, who this is kind of their home facility, um, I've already benefited from it. They've already had people who uh, have heard about the tournament or have come to games and seen what's been happening, like inquiring about junior registration and their MPL program and this, that, this, that and the other. So there's been a lot of benefits and I, I think it's, yeah, I think it's been a real success. Josh, obviously Aaron Kunda has already featured in the A-League men competition and based upon his form in this tournament, likely will get some minutes pretty soonish once he returns to the Reds. Have you seen, and he got his first minutes as a 15-year-old, have you seen any players there throughout these three games that you think are maybe, you know, Smokies or Warrant minutes at A-League men level this season? Uh, This season, I'd probably say no. Um, It's... You know, I, I think Miguel De Pizio uh, shows a level of assurance, assurance on the ball that, you know, I, I think he's going to be a good pro. Um, but whether Central Coast Mariners call upon him, given he's a 16-year-old, um, you know, Iran Kunda is a marvel, not just because he's so talented, but also because he's he's kind of an early bloomer. And most players that make the breakthrough at that age are, like, just physically. So he's up to playing against men. A lot of these guys probably aren't just yet, but um, I think DiPizio is showing a lot of promise. Um, the other players I'd point to, I suppose, are standouts for Australia in the tournament. Um, Andriano Labib of uh, Perth Glory, who's a kind of towering centre-half. Um, I think he's got it all. I think he's got great composure on the ball as well and um, shown a lot across all three games. And I also think Mitch Glasson of uh, Sydney FC... No, no way he's playing this season. Like, there's no way because it's in the FC and like, it's hard enough for someone like Jaden Kaczarski to get in the team, let alone like a 16-year-old. But into the future, I just think he's got the kind of work rate and engine that A-League coaches will really appreciate. So there's a few prospects for the future, but I wouldn't say Iran Kunda. Um, I, I would say Iran Kunda is probably going to be the only player that we see in the A-League this year. 
So when you say into the future, you mean into the future when he leaves Sydney and signs with Western Sydney or somewhere else? <laughs> Mariners. Yeah, probably. probably. Mariners and it's, it's, you know, it's interesting. A couple of the players, because um, there was a lot of Mariners players in the tournament, and I was like, wow, like the Mariners are doing well. A few of those are just players who've left Wanderers really recently, including Miguel de Pizio. So I, I think they've seen that, you know, they've seen the Grand Qual success story and all these young players getting first team minutes to the Mariners and maybe the path forward at the Wanderers isn't as obvious. But when he when he left, the Pizzi was seen as a big loss to the Wanderers Academy. Um, Torres makes the point uh, via YouTube, just going and liking Casablanca sounds like the start of a beautiful <laughs> friendship. Shout out if you've actually seen the movie. I watched it for the first time like two months ago. It's pretty good. Uh, Joseph, all the gin well, joints and all the shepherds. <laughs> Joseph, just play it uh, again, Stoll. <laughs> see, everyone's seen the movie. Everyone's got the hits. Uh, Joseph says via YouTube, Shepparton is more known for its STIs. Now, Joseph, I don't think you understand how acronyms work because then you've said Stone Fruit Recognition Index. SRIs, mate. SRI, maybe. I don't know. It's a good attempt at a joke, but uh, you got to try again. Um, but, uh, Josh, just before you go, do you want to tell us the, the story of kind of – and it went a bit viral, actually, uh, of the Northern Mariana the coach. He broke down in the press conference. Yeah, um, first time I've made a coach cry. I, I wasn't expecting that. I felt awful. No, uh, that was, I mean, the when he he started getting emotional, I think he was emotional going into it, let's be honest. I don't think it was my question. But the reason, that, the, the question that prompted it was I was asking him about his goalkeeper, uh, Vicente Jose Reyes, and he was substituted against Australia at about, I don't know, 16, 17 nil midway through the second half. And we didn't know why, um, you know, but apparently it was because he broke down crying during the match and they just needed to get him off. Um, and he, I asked him about Reyes' performance in the second game against China because he was magnificent. Like we were debating amongst ourselves, can a goalkeeper who concedes 11 goals still be player of the match? That was how good he was. Like. He was just, you could hear him shouting from the next postcode. He was making save after save after save. Like he was just so pumped up and, and just absolutely brilliant. And they were under siege the entire game. But that performance against China was really magnificent. 11 0. Like the scoreline doesn't tell the full story because they played so well. And I asked um, uh, Michiteru Mita about um, Reyes in the press conference. And um, yeah, that's when he started getting emotional because, you know, obviously, like, it had been a really difficult night for Reyes against um, Australia. And he turned it around over the course of two days and responded in such incredible fashion. Like, he showed such character. And, um, yeah, I think that was really special. And, um, and Mito is obviously, like, very close with his players and is a bit of a father figure. And, um, you know, all the social media like jokes that people were making at their expense they saw all that they saw all the facebook comments saying what's the point in them being here you know it's not a competitive game who gets like they, they shouldn't get get to come to the tournament they should have a pre-qualifying whatever um you know and that that affected them you know but they used it i guess as fuel for the second game um and honestly northern mariana islands they've only been competing for what three years maybe um, this is one of the first uh, major tournament qualification uh, things they've been a part of because they only got a accepted to the AFC in, I think, 2019. They're still not uh, re uh, recognised by FIFA because they're a US territory. 
Um, so to actually start participating in these major uh, qualifying tournaments is absolutely integral to the growth of football in the country because if they don't, like there's no, there's nothing to aim for. Uh, there's no aspirational um, things that you can say to young players and say, look, if you make it, you can get to do this. So that, that that's the point that he was making in the press, and I think it was it was well made. Uh, Josh, just before you go, uh, you're a valued member of this uh, podcast, uh, and we're only going to have you on for a short time because you were commentating. But just any thoughts on the opening uh, weekend of the A-League that you want to share with us? Uh, no thoughts other than I scored the highest out of our entire head-to-head fantasy league. So I think uh, we know. Shut up, shut up. Uh, I think we know who the expert is on this podcast. Debano, what happened? I slapped you, man. 80, 80 to fifty-five. Josh, Josh, <laughs> Josh, Josh. I had Ben Garuccio as my captain by accident, man. <laughs> All right, like, neg- negligence, lack of hey. foresight. Marathon, right, no marathon, not a sprint. Okay, let's yeah, exactly. Uh, Josh, let's, let's wait and see. All right, you're getting a bit, you're getting a bit smarmy. You're gonna make Nick Debano cry like he did the Mariana coach. <laughs> so we're gonna have to let you go. Um, but thank you so much for joining us, and well done on calling uh, the Joeys to three successive wins. Australian football, you want more success? Get jo- get Josh behind the mic. Get Joey behind the mic too, but get Josh behind the mic. And uh, and by the way, uh, little point. Teo uh, was commentating Matildas last night, and they won. We're going to get onto that soon. But TNC, if we're commentating, good well, things yeah. happen, my friend. Good things there happen. There you go. Football loss. Give me a call. Yeah. I'll call the go. junior Matildas. Or... Hope, hope might not be a strategy, but getting us to call games clearly is. So, uh, <laughs> thanks, Phil. Have a good show. All right. See you, Josh. Um, all right. Well, that was a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to move on to the game, the A-League games that happened today. Let's be honest, not so much fun. We're re- oh, look, I'm going to rip in once we get to Wellington, uh, so once we get into West Sydney Wanderers v Perth. But just firstly, uh, Wellington uh, v Adelaide United, uh, your boy, um, Ben Halloran, scoring the goal uh, late. Joey, what were your thoughts on the match? Uh, in terms of Adelaide United, pretty much this. You can't keep getting away with it! He can't keep getting away with it. He won't. He does. I think he has. Adelaide United getting out of jail in the last minutes of games again. Oh. (laughs) This game really, the red card in this game to Sass for um, Wellington really completely. From that point, I mean, I think the Knicks were already trying to do it. It It was interesting. The very start of the game, you know, emotional homecoming, first, you know, home game back in New Zealand. After I know they had played a few games in New Zealand, but, you know, this is the first game of their return to New Zealand. They're a proper Kiwi side again. You'd expect them to come out and ride a wave of momentum and be on top early, the Knicks. But it was Adelaide mm-hmm. that were on top early and making all the run of things early. And then Sass gets the red card. And at that point, to their credit, the Knicks do it very well, but they sort of set up shop and try to control the game without the ball and be very sound defensively and hit on the counter, which they did the Wayne train coming. Um, but yeah, they, they just get found out at the end by, well, Adelaide United doing what Adelaide United does scoring goals late comrade Halloran um, with one has to say, a, you know, a very well taken shot it was very well placed. He set himself up, he found the right angle, and he slotted it through. But I, 
I can't bring myself to say that, you know, despite them coming back and getting the point that Adelaide played that well. I mean, they had 62% of the ball and ended up with an XG of 1.35 against of 20 of 20 shots against 10 men for what was it? against 10 men minutes. for like an hour which shows you that that, that high volume with that extra shows you the type of quality of shots that they were creating especially when you consider that you know Halloran's goal counts into that figure i mean there's just so much cross an inshallah i think debano you looked up the stat how many crosses did Adelaide have in that game? I'll actually credit Alan Riley for posting the stat up on Twitter, but it was 40 crosses with the success rate. <laughs> Only nine of them successful, so 23% of them were successful. Wellington had eight crosses, one successful. So it goes to show the difference. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, Adelaide a lot more of the ball, but yeah, 40 crosses. Yeah, uh, look, we'll read out some uh, comments. Alan Riley says, Halloran is so good, we'd be way worse without him. I don't know what uh, why we don't have plans for a deep block given how often we play against them. 40 crosses uh, says it all. Our Liga says... Um, a-League cross-spam. Uh, and Tonis Pagonis makes the point uh, very Ibisuki and Goodwin reliant. That, Craig Goodwin not starting see. was a big shock for, I think, a lot of fantasy but, owners. Well, he's coming back well, from injury. So. Well, that's what we're going to see more of, you know, when Goodwin and Ibisuki come back. They're going to keep trying to cross the ball into Ibisuki because he is the... Uh, what's the, the word you described in Joe? Easter Island Easter statue. Easter Island like, statue. Statue, yeah. He's just the the big lad up top. So they're going to try and cross it into him. So I don't think it's going to change a hell of a lot when they are at full strength either. Um, I mean, look for on Wellington's point of view, it's a point gained. It's very unlucky. They weren't able to get all three, but considering they went down to 10 men relatively early, I think they should, they would be, look, they'd feel a bit hard done by didn't get all three, but the fact they got a point out of it, when you look at it in terms of the whole year and context and everything, it's actually not that bad. Uh, Steven Yagarkovich, I just got to say, brilliant first game for Wellington. No surprise there that he had a great game in the middle of the park and and carried things in there. He was sensational. Um, in regards to the red card, I, I as look, Sasa had to go off, like, obviously, you know, for the challenge. But he was a bit unlucky, i got to say, like, because he made the first movement when he went to try and win the ball. And then these back leg or his second leg or sort of swept underneath him and he slipped and fell into the man. So obviously he had to go, but he was a bit unlucky in that sense. Um, but look, you know what? End of the day, it's a point gain for Wellington. I'm sure that, you know, it's not the worst thing considering they got that red card. Um, but Adelaide, on the other hand, look very lucky at the end of the day. Uh, a lot of questions, you know, to go forward against when they play better opposition because, look, let's be real. Um, crossing inshallah is not going to work against every opposition. And, you know, and we know that's going to keep happening, or at least, you know, with Ibasuki up top and Goodwin coming in on that left-hand side, whether that's really going to change, I don't see that happening at all. Um, Matthew Pappas via YouTube says Blackwood was disappointing. Uh, Aliga says Viet, very one-dimensional coach. Antonis Bergonis missing a proper number eight. Um, so, yeah, look, not the greatest uh, game and, you know, not the greatest start. Look, Wellington, it's hard to judge them. They played 60 minutes with 10 men, but I didn't think they were great in the first 30 minutes um, from what I saw. Yeah. And, you know, we had Phil Rowe come on the show and, and really kind of – turn us around in the, in the preseason preview. You know, we all, I think we all, you know, as he pointed out, lazily put them ninth uh, for the season, but 
Rolo, mate, they're going to finish ninth. I'm telling you. Like, you know. Nah. Yeah. Well, they play in it's, yellow and it's, black. It's, it's, it's round one. <laughs> oh, hey. Um, all right, um, AFL references, so it's time, it's time to move on. But look, <laughs> Western Sydney Wanderers won Perth Glory nil. Okay, here's what I'm going to say about this game. So, me and one of my best mates here in Sydney, Juan, we had a real nice food. We had that really good oh, pizza. Mate, the spread stole. We, we had out, the olives. Mate. We had the focaccia. We had a really nice wine. All set up for a great Sunday. You know, we're relaxing on the couch. All good. Within 45 minutes, these guys <laughs> destroyed my Sunday. All right? These guys brought me down. West Sydney Wanderers and Perth Glory, shame on you. That first 45, you're ruining my Sunday. All right? It's actually... It, it, it was so bad that I was starting to think, okay, what like what could possibly like Paramount do in terms of their broadcast to like liven this game up? You remember the cricket back in the day, test cricket, and they just have like, random bits of trivia and stuff, you know, when it was kind of the middle of the session, nothing's happening. We need a we need a game on the screen or something. You need a – it was hard not to turn off. It was It was like something has to happen because, you know, I want to watch every A-League game. But that was unwatchable, that first 45 we needed, minutes. We needed uh, like a game of Jeopardy or something happening or something like that. You know, something. just something. Man, and by the way, I don't know if the second half was as bad because I did stop watching, all right? Started, I flicked on the F1, you know, there was it was a red flag race. I was still like watching that for more. I had no desire. And actually, my friend, I was trying to convince him to watch this game. And he was looking <laughs> at me every five minutes like, are you, are you serious? This is, this is what we're watching. This is what we're spending our time with. You know oh. what it always is with these sort of games? These games always happen when you're trying to convince that one person, like, and you finally convince that one person to either come to a game or watch a game, yeah. oh, and it right. turns into an absolute snooze fest. I remember oh. last year I told two of my friends, come down to watch this Melbourne victory versus, I think well, they're playing the Mariners, right? And I said, you know, there's a guy called Jason Cummings. He's playing, you know, Central Coast. They're a lot of fun. You know, victory with the atmosphere would be great. Turned into the biggest snooze fest, and if it wasn't for Nisha Valupale scoring in the 90th minute, it would have been like one of the, it still was one of the worst games of the year. But they came out and they're like, "Oh my god, I was so bored." It always turns into one of those. Like it's like when you show someone that movie or that song that you really like. Mm. Yeah, it's really good. It's really good, and they're just like, yeah. "I don't see it." But 100. Yeah, this this game happened, right? It yeah, happens. It like it. Wanderers won. Kerpich scored, missed yeah. the penalty. Good save from Reddy. There wasn't really anything to ride home about about this game at all. Uh, very whelmed coming out of it. I mean, I haven't watched the video yet, but apparently the Wanderers have a team song that they sung after the game. Um, Stoll, apparently there's been some comments about you potentially doing a rendition. Uh, so, look, if you want to take a few seconds out to, to give it a listen. And, you know, I guarantee, you, I guarantee the song is was more entertaining than the match. That's for sure. You should you shouldn't be singing. You should be apologizing. You should be releasing a statement apologizing for that football. God, it was bad. Look, congratulations to the Wanderers. You know, I hope that they um mm. that you know the crowd didn't look too big either. I hope that I hope it's bigger in the coming weeks. But with football like that, it's going to be hard to beat. Um, Alan Riley makes the point. Just eat a tomato and calm down, <laughs> Alan. The pizza was full of, of, of beautiful tomato sauce, all right? I was I was enjoying the tomatoes, and the Wanderers were ruining my tomatoes. So, you know, I just think, oh, God, it was Look, it was, it was bad, and it, it's hard for me to say. Um, at the end of the day, it's three points game for the Wanderers. They haven't won many games over the last few seasons, so I guess that's something. Like, they got something out of the game at least, and uh, it's, I mean. They actually tend to start pretty well, which makes their inevitable fall all the funnier. Oh, well, Joey, I'm trying to bring some positive positivity to the podcast, all right? You know, give it's the Wanderers something. Like you're on TNC. 
I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna well, bring some on, I'm man. gonna bring some positivity to the. Uh, well, podcast. I'll tell you what I, you what, want to know. I got what this game was like. I got really upset in the first half of this game, and you know why? Because I found out, and I don't know how long this has been revealed, but I only found out about it today that Holden aren't going to be doing V8 supercars anymore. I was so bored. I was reading articles about Bathurst and Holden are leaving V8 supercars. When did this happen? So He's replacing on. them like Skoda. I don't. This is an outrage. <laughs> like Holden won at Bathurst today, and then I found out they're like it's their last ride at. Bath- when did that happen? Like, I don't want to get into this, like, but isn't it just Holden versus Ford? Isn't that the whole like? Yeah, that's, I, that's what I thought. It's one v the other. So just Ford, someone Ford in the one? comments, you know, give us. Oh, a, are they bringing Ferrari in? Is it going to be Ford versus Ferrari? Like, what's Ooh. the go? Oh, hey, I, Ferrari's hey, going to win that. Hey, surely, if you want to go watch Ford versus Ferrari streaming live on Disney Plus right now, so go get over there. I watched it on Disney Plus a few months ago. Great good movie. movie. No, no, no fusses with the streaming platform. All okay. good. Um, this is what yeah, happens. Let me pod? just serious point. Serious point. Yeah, go on. Free Rami Najarin, free yeah. Luke Ivanovich, free Stefan Kolakowski. Okay. Um... <laughs> You just Very completely no soul, but mate. I want to get off this game. I want to get off this game. But no, no, hey, one, 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 one more thing. One more thing. Right. Stop. One more thing. Yeah, one more thing. Um, just in terms of uh, Kolakowski giving away that penalty, I actually thought he was a bit stiff. I, I thought that it was a bit unlucky, in my opinion. Like, I, I think mean, that was a case of stuff. He was probably bored. He probably wanted stuff. something to happen. That was yeah. what was happening. I, I thought he was just, like, just oh, I, honestly, I just thought he was a bit stiff with that. Yeah, well, um, one of the best people to follow, uh, in my opinion, on Twitter is the Brain Thinker, uh, and he says, "Not really a question, but Andromeda United. I don't know if I've totally mispronounced that. Andromeda, uh, Andromeda. That's embarrassing for me, but anyway, uh, can keep Bazanic. I'm worried Rudin brings him back in for Newenhoff the first chance he gets. Look- Newenhoff, Newenhoff was. I, I I did like some of the things I saw from Newenhoff. Mm. Yeah, I think that's definitely a positive. Yeah. That's a silver line in an extremely. Oh, one thing uh, that I thought day. was a bit interesting was just seeing how wide Cassini Yangi was dropping. Like, yeah, I mean, he wasn't necessarily in a four four two, not taking up too many central positions. Um, I thought that was a bit odd um, because you want to see him playing closer to goal a bit more centrally. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know if that will change as the year goes on, but I mean, Kerpich scored. He'll probably hold. They'll probably stick with this formation when they play Victory next week. So. Uh, I guess we'll see what happens then, but yeah. Uh, and and uh, yeah, sorry, goal still. Hiraldo makes the point, uh, West Sydney Wanderers, the most underperforming club in the league on and off the field, despite stiff competition. Brutal from Hiraldo, but I got to say uh, that's pretty true. So, mate, uh, you know, look, they got the win. That's the only thing really that I think they can take out of it. Um, but otherwise, you have real, real disappointing start. Uh, to this. And this is also what I want to know in the comments. Let us know what can Paramount Plus do in the broadcast so that we can stay interested in, you know, we can stay watching it even when the game is boring. Because let's be honest, let's be honest, at least once a week, and maybe I'm being generous, one game of the round is absolutely, totally forgettable. We need to have something going on in the broadcast that we still can can watch to just pass the time. Whatever trivia, I don't know something. Something has to happen. Let me let me know in the comments. Um, but I think it's time to move uh, away from the A League. We'll, we'll talk about our fantasy team a little bit later. But uh, let's welcome uh, Taron. Some would call her Taron Hedo, but I think much more appropriate to call it Taron Hendo um, because oh, oh well, what's going on? We bring people in, we take people out. 
Taryn Hedo is here. Taryn, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, apologies for misspelling your name. It's, I get football, Henderson, Hendo, it, it all crosses for me, you know. How are it's, you? It's okay. I'm, I'm well. I'm embracing it. I, too, am also missing from Liverpool's midfield, so we have a lot in common. <laughs> um, <laughs> boom, boom, straight fire, straight to the back. <laughs> I, I was I too also had ambitions to watch every A League men's game this week and it it got to that final game. It was about thirty minutes into the first half and I just thought to myself, you know, I could be playing The Sims. Um, you know, I could be anything. The cottage living expansion pack. I could be, you know, hanging out with my cows and some llamas, doing some cross stitching on The Sims, and I just thought. What's a better use of my time right now? I'm not. <laughs> could be The Sims. So Anything. I've I've had a great afternoon. Actually, I'm feeling I'm feeling great. Yeah. Toro says uh, via YouTube, just put Casablanca on. Yeah, I'd recommend <laughs> that. Or Ford versus Ferrari. Or I don't know. Go just go watch our podcast. Any any of the fine of options on Disney Plus. Yeah. Or yeah. Sport. Go stream stream Werewolf by Night. Streaming now on Disney Plus came out Friday night or the new episode hey, of She Hulk or something. Or that new. Oh, check annual. out the Engine Foz interview, yeah. all right? Stan Sport, check it out. New, new episode of Wrexham as well. You know, just uh, any of the plethora of options in Disney Plus. Taryn, <laughs> uh, let's talk about something that you did watch. Um, the Matildas 4-1 win over South Africa. I'm going to give you some RBA results-based analysis. Good job, Matildas. You won a game. It's been a while. Um, Tony G, look, I've j- I'll be honest with you. I just saw the highlights. My biggest takeaway is Tony G was wearing a scarf. And he had the Madonna headphone mic thing going on. Like, like, look, you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but that's a weird looking cover. All right. Like, Are you just picking all. up on this now, Stoll? <laughs> yeah, no, but what, the scarf, the scarf, was that new? He's been wearing the scarf for months. <laughs> Have I forgotten that he wears a scarf? Yeah, the scarf outside. is like a constant part of his wardrobe now. Bro, bro, you're the coach, all right? You're not a fan who just jumped in. This is ridiculous. Anyway, Karen, please talk talk to us. Uh, make, make some more more than just the RBA of uh, the Matildas match against the South. RBA, FBA, fashion-based analysis uh, you're <laughs> going for there. Um, no, yeah, I mean, they won. And that was probably the bare minimum for this game. It was nice to watch a game where the result never felt in jeopardy. And I think that's that's also something that's important within 10 minutes it became evident that this wasn't will we win it became by how much which is fine it's a good way to watch a game it's 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 significantly less stressful um than than other ways to to watch the game obviously the squad was impacted by a lot of injuries but it was interesting the way that we set up. I think that we we set up differently than uh, than the Canada games, and that was because Kyra Cooney Cross and Katrina Gori were sitting back as a kind of double pivot, like deep in midfield, um, and Mary Fowler still as the ten. They did that in an attempt, I think, to bring the wingbacks into the game more. And I think we saw that particularly on the left-hand side, Steph Catley had a lot, a lot of influence on the game. She played really well, but the sort of downside of that system was that there was a lot of the good things that we were beginning to see in Canada that involved the midfield were sort of not 
necessarily as evident. I don't think Mary Fowler really had much of a say in the game. Um, a lot of what happened was sort of out wide, um, overloading South Africa, crosses into the box, and um, that was where the, the chances were coming from. So it's it was an interesting one for me. Um, I'm you know it's it's nice to get the result it's nice to feel like we we had the results um nice to get a win nice for Courtney Vine to score her first international goals as well uh playing as nine which fascinating um I suspect that she was playing as a as a nine so Sam Kerr was uh was ill uh hadn't been training in the lead up so she was relegated to the bench for this one I suspect what happened was they wanted to keep the combinations of Catley and Ford on the left and Grant and Russell on the right. Um, and so rather than sort of putting Ford as a nine, which would seem the most logical option, they opted to keep her on the left um, to sort of train that combination up with, with Catley some more. Um, but, you know, Vine scored. Um, difficult to know what to say too much until we play Denmark because I'm very fascinated to know if we keep this double pivot against Denmark because if we do, I suspect that the midfield will be completely overrun uh, and it could cause quite a few issues. Um, Stephen wants to know uh, via Twitter, has Courtney Vine done enough over her last two games against Canada and South Africa to secure her spot uh, at the World Cup? I hope so. But you never know. <laughs> um, I I think that she is she's the type of player that would be a fantastic option. I don't necessarily think that she'll start. Um, I don't see her really as, as a starter in this in this team. Um, but in the last 20, 30 minutes of games, when especially in a game if you're struggling to break someone down or you need a little bit something a little bit different. She provides that. So I think she should. I think she should go. But again, who knows? I hope so. I hope so. And I think her her starting as number nine was definitely a, a show of confidence in her from Tony Gustafsson. Tara, just to, I wanted to ask, sorry, Joe, just a quick question. I want to ask you about one of Tony's comments in the post-game press conference. Um, it was a bit of a, it was, it was probably as classic Tony G as Tony G could be, but he spoke about Steph Catley and Caitlin Ford are like FIFA with the perfect chemistry. I want that all over the field. Um, what did you make of that line? I mean, he's now throwing in video game references, but doesn't even throw in football manager. Like he's gone for the, the inferior football game. What, what are your thoughts, I guess, on those <laughs> comments in regards to, you know, chemistry and all that sort of stuff there? I mean, yeah, they dominated that left-hand side. The, there was a definite plan to overload South Africa on, on the left in particular. Uh, Caitlin Ford, especially in the second half before she was subbed off, was very dominant down that side. There was also a nice bit of interplay. I thought Kyra Cross, despite not playing in her best role, I think that's fair to say. I thought she she played fine. I thought she had a a a, a good game. Um, you know, despite the issues with her playing so deep and 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 all of those things. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like it's true they do, but again, in a, in a game like this, it, 
if if Sam Kerr were to be injured at the World Cup or in a competitive fixture, you would think that Caitlin Ford goes to a nine. So it is fascinating that he opted to continue to sort of grow that combination instead of trying Caitlin Ford as a nine where you would expect, again, in a competitive game that she would go if Sam Kerr was unavailable. Um. So there was a question that came in to Edmund Al Young. Uh, I guess he's trying to say what did instead of who did. But who? what did TNC make of Tony G hitting back at the criticism in the ABC interview saying he's meeting his metrics and the haters don't get it or something to that effect? I mean, some would call me a hater. Uh, but <laughs> You reckon? Um, I mean, um, potentially I don't get it because, man, your performances aren't good and your team's losing. But sure, I, we're, on, we're on the way to success. I have I haven't read the interview, so I'm not going to comment um, on the contents of the interview. I would just say every what I've been trying to judge Tony Gustafsson on throughout his tenure has just been. I've, I'd like to think everybody on this show has been very cognizant and recognised the the different hats that he's trying to wear and develop depth and bring you know professionalism and you know improve their results and all of that sort of stuff. I think our biggest issue with Gustafsson hasn't been that he's trying to do those things. Our issue has consistently been, has he been doing those things well enough heading into a home women's world cup? Um, And it's very obvious now at this point that there's no appetite to move on him from, Football Australia, the time to arguably do that if it ever was going to happen was after the Asian Cup. Um, so it also all seems redundant now. All we can do is prognosticate on the trajectory and he, uh, albeit acknowledging that national team form is not linear and it can go up and down very quickly. However, if it was linear, they would not be moving currently at a trajectory that would suggest that they were going to do damage at a home World Cup, which... I know there are other KPIs involved in Tony Gustafsson's tenure. However, I would think at least making a deep run at a home World Cup, what was widely recognised as a tournament when we won hosting rights as a tournament that you could make a deep run in and possibly the best chance Australia will have to win a World Cup, men's and women's, possibly ever, I would like to think that making a deep run on that is still the most important KPI for the Matildas head coach. Maybe even for the whole national body, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Geraldo uh, makes the point, uh, a lot of hot air in that interview. Uh, I looked at, you know, that's him saying that. Geraldo, I enjoyed the 10 or so minutes between Chiliak coming on and Ford, Catley, and Grant coming off. Uh, Julian makes the point. It was great to see Chloe Legazzo back uh, from injury. And then Toro's asked the question, South Africa were missing a lot of their players too, weren't they? Is that the case, Taryn? Yeah, South Africa were missing uh, six from the lineup that won the African Cup of Nations. So they were not at full strength by any means either. Uh, yeah, so it's, again, it makes it all the more difficult to sort of read into into the result. We can read into the way that we played and, and it worked to some extent, but keeping in mind out of the four goals, two were from corners, one was a cross, 
and one was Caitlin Ford cutting in from wide. So, yes, that overload worked. We scored goals. Was it, you know, will it will it be effective against better opposition? I think I, I would like to reserve my judgment on the window until fully, until after the, the Denmark game, because if he goes with the same system and we get annihilated, that's that that shows a lot. If we go with a different system and we do well, hopefully with one of the best midfield options, Alex Chidiak starting the game and playing 90 minutes as an eight in oh, the role that she should be playing, time. that would be fantastic. What are you hoping to see from the Denmark game? Alex Chidiak. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think... I do think it requires a different approach. Um, I I, suspe- I suspect and I hope that the way that we played was a system in which we hope to break down teams that we know aren't going to challenge us in midfield anyway. So I think there was – we knew that there wouldn't be a – we would have more of the ball. We knew that – we would be able to overload them. We knew that we had the height advantage in, in the box and we knew that we were going to be able to score in, in, in those ways. Um, obviously, against Denmark, it's going to be different. So I I suspect that we'll go back to the more traditional 4-3-3 that we've been playing, uh, that Kathleen Grant will be a little bit more conservative. And again, I hope that Alex Chidiak starts in, in that role and can contribute to a more dynamic midfield that we can play in a system that shows the best of Fowler, like we saw for 45 minutes against Canada. And, you know, hopefully a result. I, I can't I can't help but hope for a result. And I know that it's not the be all and end all, but I think that it's something that we need to start to see. Um, Denmark have good players, but they're in a very precarious spot, I suppose, after their Euros group stage exit. Um, If we're going to beat European opposition at the moment, Denmark are right for the picking. So I just, I think a result is, is really important. Um, Ben Smith, friend of the pod uh, is proposing something all the way from, I don't know, Ben, where you are. You in Belgium, you were in Belgium a few days ago, uh, wherever you are in Europe, TNC Melbourne meetup before the Sweden game. Who says no? Could, uh, could happen. Well, yeah, as long as you're, are you coming down to Melbourne still? Twelfth uh, of November sounds like it's probably close to the Champions League. I don't know. I'll have to see. Potentially, <laughs> oh, da, 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 da. Um, yeah. Yeah, I will be in Sydney on Tuesday and then flying back at ten PM at night. So I'm going to be rooted. So I'm going to be catching a replay of the game. Well, anyway, um, all right. Well, Taryn, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, we hope it was more enjoyable than playing The Sims. Um, Hold on. Any- we've, we've got incredibly important questions coming in from the chat. Uh, Toro's <laughs> asked, are those Yarra Jets championships pennants on Taryn's wall? Uh, they're, they're actually union flags from Trades Hall. So uh, join your union. Uh, that's that's what I'll say about that. Oh, look, yes. look, Comrade Halloran has entered the chat. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Taryn, with that very uh, important message, um, we thank you so much for coming on and joining this uh, TNC union.
Um, and uh, let me know when we're going on strike because that'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me. All right, great. Uh, so Ben Smith has uh, let us know that he's am- he's in Amsterdam, heading to Berlin tomorrow. Very Jason Lovely. Bourne vibes uh, yeah. about uh, Is it- ben. ben. Ben, are you going to a game? Sample. Like you're in Europe, are you going to a game? Like, come on, uh, man! Like, you got some Ajax. Ajax he he was at the Ajax tonight. Stadium. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you you got, what going to Bundesliga game or anything? Like, what's the game? Well, well, ben, Ben's in Ben's in playing in Europe this week. Uh, Union Berlin. So go check. Oh, that. No, I don't know. Not easy to get tickets. Ben is in Amsterdam. He needs to visit the local bakeries and sample the special Amsterdam delights. Um, (laughs) Stoll, question. Not question, actually, statement. You said that that Matildas game is close to a Champions League uh, game. Uh, The final round of the Champions League ends on the 3rd of November. That's a week early, mate, uh, earlier than the Matildas game. I think think, think you've got plenty of time to make a trip down. I will. I will do my best. Uh, to if come it was down footy season, we could go down and watch game. a. We we'll go watch an AFLW final. <sighs> we can go watch the AFL men's. You know, the next year, come down. Man, the, 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 the Swans play next to my house all season. I never go see. Them, all right, <laughs> screw that. Uh, no look, you know, it's it's time. It's time we talk. Uh, okay, little choose your own adventure to you two. Should we talk about the Australia Cup fallout and reaction? Uh, or, you know, quite a serious subject. Or should we talk about uh, TNC Fantasy League? What, what do you want to... I think we should finish on fantasy. So let's, yeah. let's go Australia Cup. Well, let's I can, go Australia Cup I can, fallout and reaction. I can run down the week's developments. So this week in yeah. two separate press releases, Football Australia has uh, revealed that they have banned two individuals for life from Football Australia sanctioned events due to... Um, their actions at the Australia Cup final, I will quote it um, exactly. The conduct in question relates to a fascist salute or similar gesture conducted during the match and captured on the host broadcast. Um, also, footage has since emerged debunking one, just one, uh, I think, so far, of the claims that Sydney United fans booed the national anthem. Video has emerged of them singing. Uh, the national anthem, so um, national anthem, which I did, I did point out last week. You know, you mm. listen to TNC, I don't think you get the exclusives. I don't think I don't think any of us actually on. I think the reason Josh and I pre-prepared written statements was so we could be very deliberate with what we talked about, and you know, I think I'm I'm quite comfortable in you know reiterating condemnation for Nazi salutes and. Video has also emerged of an individual appearing to... Nazis weird. Nazis. I've never heard Nazis. Sorry. Um, Siri... Nazi goring. Video has emerged of an individual appearing to make uh, a racist gesture towards a back black player in the Australia Cup mm-hmm. final as well, which it rightfully deserves condemnation. Um and earlier this week as well, Football Australia CEO James Johnson penned an open letter to the footballing public surrounding the thing, which I think I would like to maybe see Football Australia do a bit more on that front. I feel like there's been a real vacuum that has opened up surrounding this issue and a lot of the mud, the waters have been muddied. We know that investigations remain ongoing. Um, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Sydney United have 
responded to a show cause notice surrounding the entire affair. Um, you know, because like Melbourne Victory with the Josh Cavallo stuff and like Sydney FC with the bottle throwing stuff, ultimately responsibility for this falls on the club. Um, but we're, we're not sure what the investigations are actually about. Um, I think so. I think it would be valuable if we had a bit more um, information surrounding that. And I think it would also be valuable if we saw, given that this story has penetrated the mainstream, if we did see James Johnson or even Chris Nicu going out and not talking to poxy podcasts like us with a very limited reach, but places hey, like... Hey, whoa, 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 I'm, hey. I'm being serious here. Um, and like go out to places like SBS, the ABC, Nine, the major broadsheets, and actually talking about this and... Stands what I've said. Sort of like not giving, not leaving a vacuum because, you know, in the aftermath of this event, you've seen there's a lot of disappointing stuff obviously the game itself was disappointing but there's also disappointing stuff in the aftermath as well like i've seen comments surrounding stuff like accusing all croatians of being racist it's in their blood that's terrible well, like very racist it's, it's a very itself. yeah it's a very racist you thing itself idiots. and that's like absolutely and like stuff like uh disband all i'm going to quote them here disband all ethnic clubs nah, like yeah. i don't i can't quite wrap my head around that thought process where in in the name of inclusion you would you would talk about the importance of inclusion and respect and then immediately advocate for banning people the right to assembly and congregation based upon shared race ethnicity or culture like that's yeah. so I, I I really hope that you know we I would like to see some of the oxygen taken out of what has turned into a very a battlefield basically between rival camps and a focus on the issues at hand and the need you know to investigate and find the individuals responsible and ban them and for football Australia to lead on this front. Like video has also emerged surrounding the welcome to country, not discounting that um, it wasn't observed, but video has emerged um, talking about how it was difficult to hear um, and why that's the reason it wasn't observed. Others in the stadium um, have pushed back against that. Uh, others that watching the coverage and were in the stadium have pushed back on that and said that that's not the reason. If, we, if that is in being investigated, it'd be good to know because, it, it, you know, it's maybe the results of this investigation going to be the next time there's a welcome to country, it's louder on the PA system um, and there's more done to make people aware uh, or is there going to be more active efforts to communicate with carpos and other fan leaders before it to make sure it's reserved, that sort of thing. It'd be really great be. to get that sort of information so that the conversation doesn't devolve into hatred, essentialism, stereotyping, and civil war when it should be focused on the bad actors and stamping out them and making sure and taking proactive steps to make sure that this doesn't happen again in a constructive manner. Uh, Hirado says bad reactions to bad reactions recurring. Uh, yeah, and that's what I kind of feel like. But you know what? I really would like to see Sydney United come out and say, we are going to look, they're saying, the, the Nazis, I'm not talking about all Sydney United fans, I'm talking about these 10 or 20 Nazis that we, we see through those photos on social media that have circulated and that the, you know, supposedly the five or six people in the stadium who did the Nazi salute in the stadium. To me, you say, 
we are going to actively kick these people out of our club. They will not do any, they not have anything to do with our club. We, you know, because people at Sydney United must know who some of these people are. Right, if, they, if they're constantly going to the games and doing the, the Nazi salutes. To me, like it is true that you cannot be part of a second division if these people are in your fan groups and if these people are part of your club and coming every week. You just you just cannot be in a second division. So you, I don't know why Sydney United, if they, don't, if they say, look, it's such a small element of our support, great, then it should be very easy to get rid of such a small element because there's not that many of them. So th- that's what I would like to see in the near future. You know, I know, I know these things take time and, you know, you want to do it properly and you want to make sure that you get it run. But I just don't understand how, you know, I would love to see a second division. I would love to see Sydney United in that second division. Well, I'd love to see Sydney United, to be honest, in the first division and, and then promotion relegation. But I don't understand how you think that you can be in a professional league and have Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, uh, the entire it's a ridiculous like, statement. I'd, I'd recur with Naraldo. Bad reactions to bad reactions um, are recurring, and you know, like I said, it would be, you know, that's. I, I want to see some leadership on this front. It feels like everything at this point has been very reactive. I'd like to see leadership from Football New South Wales, albeit they've recently had their CEO step down, but Football New South Wales, Football Australia. Um, to take some of this oxygen out of spiralling conversation. And, you know, these people that signed up to lead our game and some of them are very well remunerated to lead our game so we can, you know, sort this out, um, get rid of the people, you know, committing these acts of hatred that everybody, I think, is, you know, condemned. I think it's only the people on the absolute fringes that, that, you know, have been trying to say that Nazi salutes are fine, actually. Like, and it's just... Um, yeah, it's, I, I think I come back to, I think Tony Popovich spoke about this really well when a journalist asked him about this, um, at his press conference, obviously he's a Sydney United legends. Um, he was there to present the trophy of Sydney United one and one. And I think, and I think he spoke about it really well. I'm going to quote him. Um, it's a shame because it was a wonderful game, a wonderful occasion, a fantastic football club had an opportunity to play in a final. Hopefully next time that happens, we can just talk about the great colour and passion and noise that a football club from the NPL can bring. Um, he also added, you know, obviously he's not a fan of Nazi salutes or anything like that. Um, and it is true, like, and it's prevented the lessons from the game being absorbed, the magic of the cup, the power that exists to you know, re-engaged people from outside the A-Leagues. It's all unfortunately been lost, and I think that's a real shame. All right, well, let's move on uh, to something that is also a shame but not as uh, terrible is uh, our start to the fantasy season. Uh, guys, give me give me your takeaway of your biggest... I can, run, I can run down the league's results if you'd like. Ooh, yeah, go on, go on. All right, uh, and what I'm going to do is w- w- we have a TNC league. Um, we've got some people in it. One week's notice to everybody in the TNC league that isn't an active member of the TNC family. I'm going to grant you anonymity for this week. Um, if you don't want it known that you're in the TNC fantasy league, let me know by next week. Other, otherwise, next week when we read out the results, we're just going to reveal your identity. Um, and everybody can laugh at you. But game one, Lockie Flanagan versus Nick Stoll. Final score. No, not final score. 
What about the yeah, what about the uh man? I had yeah, Beckham in the final score. This, this, this hasn't been no, the, the players from the Jets and Central Coast Mariners game are down as DNP. Oh, boy. Which it means it looks like the round will have ended. So, assume, based upon uh, looking like the Mariners and Newcastle game just won't count for points, looks like the final score is Lockie 56, Nick Stoll 42. No, look at man, look at my team. Young only, boy. only Nunny, only Nunny in double figures. The rest of them, come on, man. What happened to Western United's defense? I had two defenders in there. I meant Tamaki Mai, I got to get rid of him. Oh, what an absolute disaster you know, of a season. Okay. Um, wait, who are some of these other people in our league? Ben Smith says, I already hate my team. I believe he's in our league. Um, Did uh, we just get four randoms added to our league? Probably. <laughs> Good. Uh, FML, I picked Berenguer and he didn't even make the squad. Combine that with the F3 wash- washout and RIP my fantasy team. Um, yeah, who who actually... Oh, and we had just had four randoms added to our league. What the hell? Yeah, we... Well, oh, can, all right. uh, well, good luck to the randoms. Look, okay, <laughs> well, uh, this is a podcast, not not a fantasy admin thing. Say say some results or get off the yeah. pod. Let's go. All right, I'm trying to look at the re- results again. Where's the head to head? I lost to I lost fifty nine sixty two to ESPN Australia and New Zealand editor Mike Wise. Um, thank you, Sassay, for your red card, which your negative score meant that I lost uh, that game. Um, How did the download... go? Yeah, you completely just skipped over mine, Joey. Because I was trying to find it because I'm, I've got it's not several hard different... to find. There's, you know, there's Debano, yeah. Alino's bridge lost, got absolutely hammered. Nick Debano got absolutely hammered by Josh Parrish. Oh, eighty to fifty-five. What? And meanwhile, Teo Pelizzari absolutely hammered Taranato. Okay, can we? Who who is um who's in Josh's team? That, uh, well, let me have a look points. at this, all right? Because I got I got this up in front of me, all right. Okay, so, no, I'm, I'm, all right, you talk about this. I'm going to try to kick the randoms. Yeah, Josh got Josh was lucky because he captained Becker, so his vice captain was Nani, and Nani got 12 points normally, and then was upgraded to 24. He had oh. Jack Hingott, who got 12 yeah. points. He had Ben Halloran, who got 14. Yeah. Ah. Tommy Masella, who got 11. Oh. So like half these guys aren't going to score, you know, double that digits every week. Uh, this is what I mean when I said marathon, not a sprint, guys. Like, look, know, but I, I, uh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. It's only match day one. If we're going to make judgments of fantasy after match day one, then Jesus Christ, what are we doing on, here? On a semi-serious point, um, I think it does help the league. Like, it made me more invested. Every time the lineups come out, I mean, I just saw it even within our group chat. We were sending each other lineups saying, this person's out and this one's in. And, oh, uh, you know, we had someone had Piscopo in there and he wasn't starting and stuff like that. You know, it, it does make you more uh invested i think yeah. in the league so i think it's a good thing and, I, and i'm glad to see quite a few i gotta say big shout out to economides and danny caballo who uh bolstered my score made it look honorable with scores of 17 and 11 so caballo's assist to james donicky carried a lot of weight that's what i said guys get defenders who get assists because if they do like they're gonna get scores going through the bloody uh through the bloody roof you know what i mean 
Mm. Yeah, well, I thought I'd have defenders who keep clean sheets like Western United did. And, uh, it, <laughs> hey, that's it, it right. got so, injured yeah. and Lacroix scored a known goal. So that was that was a great You thing. don't get more than one defender from each team. You get one because then if they have a bad game, then they're all going to get bad scores. They, you, they, they, yeah, but it's not, fantasy one-on-one, mate. <laughs> yeah, but okay, but hold on. You do because if you get like all the Man City players right now, you just get yeah, but that's clean sheet, clean sheet, clean sheet. That's, 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 that's what Western Man United City, was last yeah. season. They one nil their way to the title. Anyway, every team has good Defenses these days, you know what I mean? You go victory, you know, all good. All Predictions good. for next week. Um, uh, let's, have yeah, let's have a look at the games. Uh, I'll share they them won't on let my me screen. Kick the randoms. Yeah. God, ah, don't worry about the randoms. They're fine. Don't worry about the Fr- randoms. It's Friday night, random. Brisbane Raw v Melbourne City. Uh, give me a quick prediction. Uh, Melbourne City. Yeah, Melbourne City three one. Melbourne City three 0 Oh, okay. Uh, I'll say Melbourne City 2-1. Newcastle Jets, the box office Jets, baby, the Perth glory. Newcastle 4-1. Newcastle 3-0. Manita, Newcastle Jets 5, Perth glory 0. Melbourne victory v Western Sydney Wanderers. Victory 2, Western Sydney 0. Yeah, victory 2-0. I'm going to say victory 2-0 as well. So maybe, maybe that's the one. It has uh, 2-0 written all over it, doesn't it? Really? Because oh, that, then, victory, then the 90th minute <laughs> seal. Victory it? too much quality to lose that game, but they yeah. prefer to play in transition. Yeah. Wellington Phoenix, uh, Central Coast Mariners. Ooh, it's a good game. In Wellington. Uh, Central Coast 2-1. Uh, Two-all draw. Ooh, I'm going to say one all draw. Uh, MacArthur v. Adelaide United. Oh. <laughs> MacArthur 2, Adelaide 1. 2-2, uh, Adelaide 2 goals in stoppage time to tie it. <laughs> <laughs> um, MacArthur we just did that one. 1, oh. Adelaide 0. Uh, I am also wanting to give my predictions as well, <laughs> yeah, Joey. Yeah. I, know you, I know you hate me speaking on this pod, but it's, it's part I of the I thought you already did. Western, I, I let you guys go first as a good host, always. Western United uh, versus Sydney FC. Western United 1 0. Yeah, Western United 1 0. 1 all. Um, all right, let's go uh, to your questions uh, that have come in. But just on that, uh, I think maybe I know who's burning this. Is year. that, is that, is that, yeah, is that <laughs> someone trying to commu- communicate from the UFO? <laughs> yeah, maybe there's some reception on the UFO. They're maybe this was maybe this was him all along. Well, I just want to go back and have a look at it. <laughs> look, at I would all like the to comments. see it. All, all games under 2.5. Uh, Looking back at all these comments, the 100%. These guys, this is this is too sus, man. All right, well, maybe look, maybe there's some reception on uh, the UFO. Um, all right, let's get to <laughs> like, like look at this comment. Oh, I thought it was Aliga. That was Alan. They have the same sort of thing. So I thought, oh my god, keep keep Definitely. an eye out on Aliga. Maybe uh, maybe that, that that's a good friend of theirs. <laughs> hey, Shane Henry asked, does the does the Aliga have a mental health awareness round? Asking for a friend who's awkwardly found his mental health take a hit after just one incomplete round of watching how most our league teams and coaches try to function brutal but uh wow. you know not bad Whack. not bad hey um shout out to a uh, friend of the pod uh, from last week uh, jim uh after the first round he says if you've got to change one of your predictions from the preview show what would it be um we believe that he didn't in fact make 
the Brisbane Raw game. Uh, he was, in fact, too intoxicated, but he had a great uh, time at the Whiskey Show and, you know, watched Brisbane Raw on the couch. But your predictions from last week, Joey, anything that you'd change? Uh, no, unlike some other members of this podcast, I am not going to sell my MacArthur stock just yet. <laughs> oh, I, I think I think Stoll's the only one that has uh, stolen. Uh, sorry, I've sold his sto- stocks. I don't think anyone. I haven't gotten off yet. Hey, 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 hey! That was that was just a little message for the the chat, right? I haven't got off my. Um, it's our the, podcast art this week, Nick Stoll. The one thing, the one thing I would say is, I said first of all, champion victory, premier victory. Feeling pretty good about that. Feeling pretty good about saying wooden spoon glory. Uh, Mikkel Tadze had golden boot, and Papas Kachli did look. Didn't say anything for the. Look, I, I I might need to revise my wooden spoon pick for Brisbane. Who do you have? For, oh, you don't Brisbane think they're going to be wooden yeah, spoon? Yeah, I, I, no. I don't know. I, 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 they're going to be man. around Too there, early. but I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll have a look at these in a, in a bit of time. What about yeah. you said champion Western United? You still on that? Hundred percent. Really interesting. Well, by the way, we, me and you shared a Johnny Warren medalist with Arzani. I don't well, know if we all did. All three Warren. of us had Arzani as the Johnny <laughs> Warren medalist. Hey, wait, 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 we're sticking, we're sticking to this. All right, like right to the end. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so that's uh, one question. Um, Tommy Dolman, he says hasty conclusions and complete overreaction for all teams after one round of football, please. I mean, I feel like we were pretty good today. We didn't go, we didn't go too much. Oh, hasty, yeah, no, nothing too much. Um, you know, it's interesting. On MacArthur, Edmund says after jumping on the McBull bandwagon after the Australia Cup, should I jump back off right away? It's too early. It's too early. And actually, after the first twenty-five minutes, they kind of came into it a bit. So. We, we give them a, a bit of a thing. Wait Nicholas, to see who starts up front and who starts as their six next week. Yeah, that's. I think that's a very then we good can, point. Then we can maybe have a bit of a, more of a chat. If Carter starts up front, I'm absolutely selling that bull stock. Um, what team selection formation surprised you most during round one? Probably a round or two early, but any sides performance oh, make you think they were overestimated? We're all going five at the back with Armiento. Mm. It was mm. interesting. And it worked. Now we'll just see whether or not that was a one-game thing or if that's permanent moving forward. I guess just to give the uh, the listeners a bit of an insight into Friday night, we were all kind of stumped because we didn't know what the hell happened to Curtis Good, Nuno Ration, and Florian Berengay when the Melbourne City lineup came out before they put it up on, um, on Twitter because they actually, if you want to get in early, a bit of a cheat code here, Go on fantasy about an hour and a half before kickoff and see who's got the ticks because if they've got ticks, they're starting. And we're going through, and it was like, you Some know, Jordy Boss. Well. Yeah, Jordy Boss, Scott Jamison, and stuff. We're like, what is going on? Because Leckie's starting and everything. Boss can't play on the wing. You know, there's no center backs here. And then we realized, like, that literally everything is the proverbial and they had Jamo playing center back. But then we also thought that maybe. Um, Boss was playing further up. Leckie was playing in midfield and O'Neill and Gavulka were playing centre-back. It was just all over the place. But uh, probably that because we didn't know that, you know, that Good got injured and Berengay got injured and Race got injured. So when we saw the City lineup, it was a, a touch surprising to see Jamo play centre-back because, I mean, as we alluded to, even spoke in the press conference, I don't think in his 300 games, I think it'd be very, there'd be very short amount of appearances. He's probably played centre-back throughout his entire career. Um, hold on, hold on. We're getting a comment coming in. 
That's um, a great call. Laser, lol too early. You guys have a team you haven't seen yet pumping Perth by minimum with three goals. Ah, but Laser, I have seen Perth already this season. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> that is absolutely true. Um, all right. So uh, Fiat Multiplar, Multipla? Uh, says dad's analysis of Adelaide. They go so fast out of defense, then they get there outside the box and everything stops. Hashtag the handbrake. I think that's a decent call. See, we dad. are also the Australian football's leader in dad's based an analyst. First, Mr. Jokic. <laughs> now, this dad, dad's. Whoa, uh, I mean, D- speaking of your DBA, dad, he's. Your yeah, where's your dad is actually being well, paid for his football. Your takes. your dad, your dad's take on Twitter yesterday about him response to Vince Regari about Nani being booed. And he was just straight to the point, loved it. So that's what we got there from Lynch Senior. What what did he what did he say? What did Lynch Senior say? Uh, I have to pull it up again. Why you do like um, said, good question. I think it was just along the lines of Vince Regari asking. Why are they booing Nanny? And just he responds because he's their best player. Yeah, yeah that yeah. does happen. That's why that's why Azani got booed against the point. United. Um, which Subway Socceroo hopeful has made the best start to the Aliga campaign? Economides. Uh, yeah, I can't. yeah. You know what? I think it was good. It just uh, Curtis, good. Was, he didn't play. No, I think he was. He was always going to be in the squad, but I think Jamie McLaren scoring. Nice uh, he finish. had a decent game. Oh, yeah, decent game. nobody has maybe... ever questioned McLaren's ability to score goals in the A League. Sure, but I think I'm not convinced that um, Taggart is a locked in starter, and I'd be interested to see. Oh, if... I think Duke's starting against France. Jeez, okay. Duke against Teo Hernandez. I'm looking forward to that. Um, <laughs> anyways, just in regards to that, uh, the other one who I actually think because we've kind of forgotten about him in this, but remember he was part of that squad in June, but the fact Nick D'Agostino scored. Yeah, and a good goal. Just Top keeps header. him in Top contention. Header. So just keep an eye on that. That, that was a, a very nice header, by the way. Yeah, like really got some power on it. Um, so impressive stuff. All right, well, look. I There's think a we have... uh, question in the YouTube comments, Nick Stoll, if you were going to uh, read it out. Are you... Did you oh, go to the Sydney game store? A couple made, more. I, couple I went of, to a nice restaurant. A couple of comments before that. I know oh, here we go. Stephen Paletti. There we go. Oh, what did you think there, of No, no, no. Let, let's stall read it out. Let's stall read it out. <laughs> I don't understand what this comment means. That's why I didn't read it out. <laughs> Question. What did Joey think of the white rabbit slash white month long story? Like, I don't know what that means. All right, white rabbit. I, I very much enjoyed the payoff. It was a great payoff, Stephen. It was a sensational payoff. Stephen, don't ask questions about things that I don't know about. All right? They they left a comment, and you you're supposed to be the king of the comments. Exactly, I am. You when they just leave comments just, out, you know. Look, where's where's our spam bots this week? Doctor Femina, what did Doctor <laughs> Femina not Dr. do anything Femina. this week? Doctor Femina, you've struggled, all right. Doctor Femina needs to fix some of these footballers. So, did Doctor Femina happen before or after we had our cyber attack? I don't know, but you know what? It's funny. Despite the technical difficulties of uh, last week's show, I got more texts complimenting uh, us on that show than ever before. So Do you know, like, I was actually amazing edit to hide the uh, technical <laughs> oh, difficulties. Joey, I was actually after the show. I played it out loud while I was downstairs, and my mum heard it, and she even thought it was bloody hilarious. Like, because I, I was just playing it loud. She's like, "What are you listening to?" I'm like, ah, "Don't worry, this is a masterpiece right. right here." Right there, you go. That well, edit, yeah. that that edit w- with Josh Parrish's voice, I with voice. Oh, over, it was but that good. Edit was all me. 
that was good. That went with the music as well. Joey, yeah. good stuff, mate. You've, you've created quality. Look, guys, uh, tune in next week. Uh, we will be coming to you probably around, I'm going to say, 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. When's kickoff next? The last kickoff. 5 p.m. 5 p.m. But so it's in we'll Melbourne. In. So myself yeah, and Nick Nagano will be coming to you from Amy Park. From the uh, Michael I'm, I'm laying down the marker right now. She, she's going to hate me for this, but I'm going to try to get Anna Harrington on the pod as well. Come on, Anna. Come on, come, come on the pod. You're a come on, the Harry. Pod. You, you need, can do you it. Be a part of this pod. Look, Hashtag uh, Harrow for TNC. Harrow for TNC. Look, we've had a great time uh, tonight. Uh, special thanks to Taryn and Josh for making uh, cameos. And special thanks to everyone who commented uh, and everyone who shares and reviews. And uh, I, I saw recently that our reviews on Spotify are like, pretty good. Like a lot of uh, five-star reviews. So thank you for that. It does mean a lot to us. It is very helpful to us. So if you can pl- please keep doing it. Please keep sharing the pod. Please keep keeping the memes going. Vince is rich. We make fun of Nick DeBano's surname. Uh, you know, Ante's in a UFO. Uh, well, where, is, where he, is he? Is he there? Is he there? Is it just in the comments? Nick Stoll loves tomatoes. I love tomatoes. Hey, hey, what are we Josh Parrish wears a giant hat and is a regional politician. Yeah. yeah. We need a database of memes. There's so many. Respond oh. response to the respond to our live post. So this stream right now in the comments of this stream, leave us your favorite TNC meme. Yeah, and what uh stole Joey, what's for dinner tonight, guys? Oh, I gotta cook. I gotta cook. Um maybe escavilada, which is this basically thing where you like roast vegetables for like sound like oh, an hour and yes, a half. Yes, yes, you know, yes. and then like they there's just it's like you, you put like You're gonna um, eat dinner at like 9 30. Yeah, it's all good, bro. I got the Spanish vibes. Don't worry. Nine thirty dinner is no problem for me, my friend. Um, I'm going full bodybuilder. Um, I'm trying to watch what I eat with my meal, so I'm going to have rice. Build your tongue. Uh, rice with egg, in your mouth. frozen vegetables, uh, and mince with probably chili sauce. You know oh, what I'm having, looks- guys. I'm, I'm having an, uh, I'm having, you know, the, the shout out to these guys. I've spoken to oh. Joey and others about it so many times. There's this place near my house that do these things, these Italian burgers, right? They are like the best thing ever. And I'm getting mm. the Mario Bellatelli. I, I, oh. I, I kid you not. It's actually called the Mario Bellatelli. Does it cost $8? No, it costs definitely, <laughs> it costs double that actually. It costs like 17 Well, it should only me. cost $8. <laughs> Because he's well, an eight tell, out of ten. You, tell, uh, you know uh, the uh, NPL Victoria alumni Nick Krishiratis, who I'm pretty sure still runs the joints. So you tell him that. Um, but yes, man, uh, get run down the memes is making Great fun trip. of my bodybuilding thing. Man, you should see my deadlift. All right, look, oh, there's enough. Do, no, head over to Joey's uh, Instagram. Is it uh, Joey Lynchy for for all? Yeah, your, but it's your... private. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Joey, I don't if post Joey my accepts, lifting videos in public. <laughs> Don't worry about building your body. Build build your palate. Build your have some amazing tomatoes. Look, uh, that's all we have time for. Uh, two hours and sixteen uh, into it. Uh, we'll see you next week at around seven thirty. Thank you so much to everyone tuning in, and thanks. Bye.